get it going. It's time to get up. Drop pass into the slot for Hughes to the back door. Miller scores. Now Jordy Benson's into the goal. Tipped on by Miller. Gets his own rebound and scores. Second of the game for JT Miller, who fires it over the glove of Hogberg. These guys are here to break it all down. I'm never going to be complaining or, or not be happy about a win. You're not always going to come out and dominate a team. You're not always going to come out and be on top of your game. What I really like is that uh, our team responded after the first period. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. You can't complain not to get kicked in the groin. This is the starting lineup with James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. That's more like it, right? Everybody's breathing a little easier here on this Thursday, January 28th. This is the starting lineup on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. And it is game day once again here in the city. James Sabolski here, Perry Solkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass with you until 9 o'clock this morning. 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line at Sportsnet 650 is where you can find us on Twitter. Get those submissions in. ASAP Canucks in a song. What track comes to mind after watching that performance last night? A much better performance from the franchise players and the Vancouver Canucks as they deliver a second straight win over the bottom feeders of the Gord Downey division pair, the Ottawa Senators. If only the Canucks could play the Senators every night on this 56-game campaign, right? I think I'm going to change things just around the household. We can't go too far, but if, if you know... If, if you've got an ache or something, I might tell my daughter, just go into the cabinet there, take take some Ottawa. Do we have any Ottawa? I have a headache. Have some Ottawa. I'm not feeling well today. How do you feel better? Have some Ottawa. Now, that's what it is. Uh, it was an ugly first 20 minutes. I think the worst 20 minutes that the Canucks have played all year. And to Tyler, uh, Travis Green's point, it was like, all right, what are we going to see? You've seen it before. We watched it the night before on Sportsnet when you saw the Leafs hammer the Flames. You go, Wow, can Calgary come back? Canucks were dominant in that final two periods. It's Ottawa, but it's a win. It's a momentum builder. And as you went off yesterday, you only had two games left for PD, the runway. PD plane had to take off and lift off. It has James. And I, and I like, you know what I like the most about it? When he scored, when Miller scored, man, there was no big, massive, crazy celebration. It was kind of like, oh my goodness, finally. Like, where the heck has that been? So anxious for them to get back at it today to see what they can build. And then I, it's just a different way of measuring them when they take off on the road. But they've done what they've done in the first to close it out tonight with, with the sweep of the series. I think it was critical to get those guys going last night. I think the general feeling from everybody in this market seemed to be they'll be okay. They'll get it going. And I'll tell you what, I mean, Ottawa provided the role of slump buster last night. And, you know, the lotto line's better for it today. Right, you've got J.T. Miller humming again. Pedersen, I think it's absolutely critical that he's moving, and we'll see if they can close the sweep. and And all of a sudden, if they take care of business tonight, they're back to 500 at five and five on the season before going out for a six-game road trip against Winnipeg, Montreal, and Toronto, and then it's four straight against the Calgary Flames. So these next two weeks after tonight are going to be absolutely huge and get a better sense of what this team is all about, Pair. I think like we'll get a real good sense of whether the Canucks are serious about making a play for the playoffs or not, and it'll start on Saturday night. I mean, I, I don't think you can put all the stock in these games against Ottawa. Like, Ottawa's bad, man. I, like there was a certain point I just wanted, you know, like that scene from Rocky Four. 
throw the damn towel, right? I mean, like the Canucks last night, you know how I love to bring it back to wrestling. But, you know, remember back in the days when you'd watch wrestling and they'd have like the squash matches with the tomato can or the jobber, if you will. You know, and you bring mm-hmm. in the guy that you're building up for Hulk Hogan or Stone Cold's next opponent. And they just kick the crap out of a guy who looks like he hasn't been to a gym ever. Got a barrel of a belly, scrawny arms like me. And the guy gets worked over in about two minutes and like, wow, this guy's gunning. He looks like a million bucks. Like, that was the Canucks over the last couple of games. And at some point, you kind of have to look at the level of competition. It's great to get everybody going, and I think from a positive standpoint, it's that. I just don't know how much you can base these two games in terms of being contenders in this North Division against a team that is clearly going to struggle for wins even more than I think I thought. <laughs> I I understand where you're coming from, but here's where I think we have to – if we're going to play that card, and it's true, I mean, Ottawa, I think we don't get to see the teams play in person anymore um, that play south of the border. But, yeah, how much stock can you put in beating Ottawa if they do three times? I would argue that you can value the same amount to how much stock did we put in to this team playing hockey games without JT Miller, to this team playing without a Jordy Ben and having to play three guys who didn't have much NHL experience. James, I, I, I think it's half full or half empty. Yeah, they just, beat did Ottawa. You just credit, Ottawa. Did you just credit? We sat here and went, we sat here and went crazy when they weren't at, at you know at, at full manpower to a, to a slow start the year. So I, I think you have to temper it a little bit that we went a little crazy on the losses to Montreal, uh, and maybe we shouldn't be so crazy about the three wins over. We're somewhere in the middle with this team. Did you just refer to the fact that this team was scuffling without Jordy Ben? Hey, hey, no, you know what? Yeah, I'm scuffling <laughs> the sense that they had to play one hockey game against what might be the best team in, in the Canadian division, in your Gord Downey division, with three guys with a collective eight games of NHL experience on the blue line. Yes, you miss a guy like that with some experience. Jordy Ben's been pretty good. But Jordy Ben and JT Miller and guys who had fought COVID, right? It's Ottawa. But hang on here. They had some built-in excuses for the first six or seven days of the NHL season as well. You know, I'll tell you, the guy that I thought really stood out in a lot of ways last night to see it all play out, was that not one of the best games we've seen Tyler Myers as a Vancouver Canuck? He played more minutes than anybody last night, almost 25 minutes but the one thing for all the, you know, I, I know people have talked about breaking him down more in the giveaways and the struggles, but this is the first time I think we're really starting to get a sense of the offensive upside that Tyler Myers can bring. But, like, I'm going to say there's probably about a half dozen times now, pair that comes to mind where he's jumped in on a rush and it's generally Tyler Mott alongside riding shotgun with him. And Mott's now got five on the season. But Tyler Myers was a force last night. You know, it's not going to be like that every night, but man, like that was that was encouraging that he's got that in him. Um, I don't know if it's because he's six foot seven. It's tough not to notice Tyler Myers. Mm-hmm. So when he does pinch, sometimes you go, "Really, was that the time?" And I, I think he's an aggressive player. I, I think Tyler Myers is a guy who wants to be. No, I'm the guy jumping up. Um, he was good. Here's, here's the one thing, and I don't want to be negative. It's positive, and everybody, everybody coming in here, we should be. But I do like the changes that were made to the lineup. It's more balanced. But I was texting with someone last night and said, you know, the next move I would make is, is I, would, I would get Godette back in and fire him on the wing and, and maybe put Jake and let him watch a little bit too. 
there still needs to be some energy there. Jake's penalty in the first period is like, oh my goodness, man, you're just getting things going here. You're taking, you're taking an early penalty not needed, but you're getting it from every, you're getting it from everyone when you win, right? The energy from Mott, Myers pinching, still expect more from Nate Schmidt, but man, you need to have the confidence, and they did, and and, and in a likely way, because I don't know if I wasn't like everybody else, I was a gasp when Petey decides not to shoot on that play in which they score. I said, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness it finished up that way, and then here we go. But uh, the decision-making in that first period was just awful again, and it started early. The very first shift with Brock Besser firing the puck across, and he gets picked off. You go, man, what are they thinking? But they got through what was a major slump. They'll have to finish it off tonight, and, and then we see where they are in Winnipeg. But this a confident hockey team belongs in the fight and in the conversation like we expected. And shout out to the goalie too, James, for that first twenty minutes. Ah, bubble Demko. That was bubble Demko yep. we've seen the last couple of nights. And and you know what? We've kind of talked about it going into the beginning of the week. It's not that goaltending was a problem for this team, but it could it needed to be better. At some point when you're scuffling, you need somebody to kind of step up big. And your goaltender kinda of helped steal you one. At least at least got you through a turbulent first period that was as uh, shaky. They gave up thirty six shots on Monday. And they gave up two-thirds of that amount in the first 20 minutes alone. I felt for Ottawa in the sense that, Pear, they did everything they wanted their, their, their coach wanted them to do. Right? They did everything in that first period. Canucks were on their heels the entire first period, and it's a 1-1 game. And you start the second, and I thought the Canucks benefited from an absolutely terrible non-call by the officials where Mike Riley's coming out, you know, trying to come out of his own zone, out of the Ottawa end, carrying the puck, and J.T. Miller just all sorts of stick work, hooking, twisting around Riley, who loses the puck, nearly falls, and no call on the play, and there go the Canucks, and Petey with the drop back, Huggy over to Miller, and boom, it's a 2-1 game, and just the bottom falls out for the Senators. You're right. I thought Anthony Stewart had some great analysis on, like, well, you got to shoot that puck, Petey. Thankfully, the result worked out, but it's still those little areas that you're kind of looking at from Petey. It's, he's not quite there yet. I would say by the third period, Petey looked engaged, right? You know, the, the hit on Dadanov. It's a finished by that power play when he started shooting and he finishes. You could see it's like okay, he's in it to try to tee up here. I don't want to use the term preseason game in a regular season against a hockey team, but that's it. Almost seems like, and we'll hear from PD in a second. Mm. He's been wearing this hard. Um, maybe he needed more than people expected. He needed to play some hockey games, some preseason games that weren't there. But you're right, the body language. Just the mind going, here I am again. Yes, I'm, I'm back. I figured it all out. I would suspect to get him one more time. We we didn't know what to expect from the lot of line going into yesterday. Now, as you can see in the Dunbar text line, is hopping. I think expectations are, okay, they're back, so they'll be good for one or two a night. Thank you, Tyler Mott and Sutter and Beagle for grinding it out and helping. Please continue with that push. But now they're back, and it, it just is, is the stride that they both needed. And as I said earlier, it wasn't a celebration. It was just like, oh, all right. You know, we know what JT Miller thought of his game two nights ago. Uh, and it was, yeah, okay, now I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So a sigh of relief, I think, around Canucks land today for sure. 
Well, let's hear from Elias Pettersson. And, Petey, I'll say this. He's pretty forthcoming in interviews and pretty honest. Had a really good conversation, very open with Dan Murphy after the game and then spoke to reporters uh, in more of an expanded context. And, and he totally admitted he was feeling it mentally during the early season struggles. I mean, there's always pressure. I mean, um, and I'm the guy that put the most pressure on me. I always want to play good and... And I'll be honest, my first couple of games haven't been the way I wanted to play. Uh, I think today was uh, definitely a step in the right direction. Um, but me and our line definitely have a lot more to give. And uh, we know about it, we talk about it, and uh, hopefully we can have a much better game uh, do you, tomorrow. Do you, do you think at any point, Pear, with all the the conversations surrounding this team and the future of Jim Benning, do you think at any point maybe Jim was up in the press box and starting to sweat like Rudy Giuliani and the hair dye kind of running down the side of the cheeks. At the Four Seasons landscape. Um, <laughs> no, <clears throat> here's why, James. And not that we can be called experts. We've been able to do this for a couple of decades. You don't see Pedersen play that kind of hockey for two seasons and think he's forgot. What I found interesting in that answer, and we had talked with Jovo about it, and we wondered, all right, you get to see PD nine or ten times now. Will they play him differently? So was it what the team was doing to him and what the Montreal Canadiens did to him, or was it his lack of thinking and making the right decisions? You know, I, the answer was honest. I mean, if he would have thought, I would, you know, it's like Tiger Woods when he golfs because I'm close. Well, PD's never been close all year. He was a long way off being the player he is. So, yeah, I, I like the honesty, but I don't think in, if, you know, Travis Green always said, I, I believe in the lot of line, it was going to happen. I mean, you were the one who gave him two more games and that was it. I, I think he knew it was coming, uh, but he did. But I would say you got to be thankful it was the Ottawa Senators that was here to, to try and bust out of this for three games. It, it's better that he's starting to get going here. And, and even Travis Green said afterwards, you know, PD isn't just scoring when he's engaged, as we saw last night. Well, I think when uh, PD's on top of his game, you can you actually see a, a high compete level in his game. And um, we didn't have exhibition. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit to get your engine running as hot as it needs to. And, and, you know, I think we saw glimpses of it tonight out of that line. When he's engaged uh, and playing on top of his game, you do see – good things come out of other areas of his game or, or that maybe don't have anything to do with the offense. And... So, and, and there you go, right? It's it's the other little elements that, you know, the the hit taken down Dadanov, right? Those are the little things that you start noticing when he's away from the puck or those moments that he's engaged. We hadn't seen that through the first eight games from Petey. Last night, I'd say by the time he got to the second half of the game pair, the Petey of old was starting to come back. And for this franchise, it is imperative that you have the PD of last season or last postseason or his rookie campaign because this team will only go as far as the franchise players will take them. Travis Green said the same thing, but a different way of using it. Let's go back to last week when he used the word immaturity. Talked about immaturity and maybe some of our guys forgot how we were successful in the bubble and how hard we work. Point blank, that's essentially, you know, paraphrasing what he said in the post game. So what did he just say there? You know what? Sometimes it takes guys a little while longer to get their engine running as hot as it should be. Was Petey one of those guys that forgot how hard he worked in the bubble? Yes, he was. And you just think, 
Oh, it wasn't that easy. You grinded it out to get there. And now he's running at the level that he was built to run at, right? You've got a speedster that you want to drive. Drive it because that's what it's built for, and you can't just get there. So you're right. I don't think inside that room there was a whole bunch of questions. It was just a matter of when and, and how. And now, and good on Travis Green, because when that line finally scored, there were a couple times, okay, you know what, they're up next. Quick shift guys get back out there. He's seen them scuffle. And now if they're back, you're going to make sure he's going to run at that temperature they need him to run at, not only against Ottawa, but for the next four months. Because to your point, if they're going, if that line's going, everything seems to fall into place with this hockey team. JT Miller uh, obviously admitted last night that you know those first uh, couple of games that he missed really impacted his start to the season, saying he felt it in his legs. But while he said it was nice to score last night, he says there's still more to give. Be frank with you, I think we need to be way better as a line still. I think we need to push ourselves. And I know it looks pretty for you guys because I got some points today, but at the same time, there's not much difference in the game. Um, we're relied upon to put points up and produce for our team, but we're relied on to work hard and create momentum for our team. And, you know, and, and typically when we work hard, the ice opens up like it did in the third period. I thought third period was our, um, probably our best period of the year, but at that point, you know, it's four or five to one game. So we need to be better and start the game better. There's JT Miller. You know, we'll go back to something that you alluded to in the outset of this conversation here, Pear, and Rod and Langley texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 saying, you know, the player I want to give kudos to is Ben. I think he's the best thing to happen to Hughes since Tanny left. Heck, he's even wearing his old number. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, you know, whatever the case, the last couple of games, Jordy Ben playing alongside Quinn Hughes seems to have settled Huggy down. And to see him starting to make those plays last night, you know, Nate Schmidt is scuffling to start the season. He's still getting acclimated. He was playing just 15 minutes last night. And Ben only played about 15 minutes as well. But he seems to be playing within his role, staying in his lane, and Quinn Hughes is benefiting from it. Well, uh, let's not forget, and I'm not going to say it's easy to play with Quinn Hughes, but I think it's simple. This was a city that said you can't get rid of Luke Shen. Sign Luke Shen. That's that, you know that's exactly what, what what Quinn Hughes needs. Man, they knew each other in Toronto. Shen's the guy. Shen was a guy who was tolling in the AHL, and then he comes here, and you think it's a pretty good fit, and it looked okay. And then Chris Tanev, and Chris Tanev's a heck of a hockey player. We're seeing it in Calgary right now. But give me someone simple, and yeah, I said at the outset, you wondered, Jordy Ben with his experience going glassing out. Quinn Hughes is gone. I'll make sure I've got the house taken care of here. It's very, very simple, but great defenseman. Their partner doesn't need much of a spotlight. If that defenseman is great and you don't talk about the partner, that works. And Rod, I think you're right. Jordy Ben and just that experience has been a little bit of a calming influence to Nolan Baumgartner and to Quinn Hughes to say, okay, I know you're not going to disappear. I don't expect you to go end to end. Thanks for watching and having my back. I'll be okay. And and it's simple. Oscar Fattenberg was good in the postseason. You just need a guy who's played a lot of hockey, not going to see anything that's surprised, can still turn a little bit, and he'll be okay. I think Jordy Ben's been very good. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Time to get those submissions in. Canucks in a song. Pair, man, I was watching that thing play out, and I was thinking, where do I want to go with this one last night? And, you know, I had a couple of thoughts. There was some low-hanging fruit in front of me in terms of what song sums up the Canucks' performance. And for me, what really hit home seeing Elias Pettersson find his stroke again on the ice 
I would say I'm going 1980s. I'm going to the the soundtrack of the Transformers animated movie. And for those of you that saw Boogie Nights about 20 years ago when Mark Wahlberg, a.k.a. Dirk Diggler, walked into the studio and tried to cut an album, I'm going with a Stan Bush classic, The Touch. You got the power! Yeah! Oh, a little 80s schlock to get you moving on a Thursday morning after Petey kind of pulled an Undertaker last night and sat up. Yeah, I did. Good call on that. A uh, better call on your point because you're thinking it over and over as to what you're going with. And last night I thought, oh, yeah. Hang on. Canucks in a song. What am I coming up with? And I cheated. And uh, it's okay to cheat because it's our show. And I didn't cheat in the sense that I didn't do it. I didn't do my homework. I found a song, but it's a jingle because I thought as much as it's about number 40 and what he's doing, the guy who gets that line going is number nine, who finally we heard his analysis of his game two nights earlier. He needed to get going. He did. So I went to old school. Listen to a commercial I haven't heard for 25, 30 years going, oh, yeah, did they have a jingle? They did. Here's part of it because it was Miller time. Miller tastes too good to hurry through. But when it's time to relax, Miller stands clear, beer after beer. If you've got the time, you've got the time, we've got the when it's time to relax, Miller stands clear. Everyone waking up this morning a little more relaxed because number nine, arguably their MVP last year, admitted, all right, we're, we're better. A long ways to go, but Miller time yesterday. They need that on most nights to be successful. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line hopping. Uh, Torgy and Langley giving me lots of props saying, I'm a Transformers nerd. I love that. Uh, and you know what? It's funny. Last night we're driving to soccer practice, and my 12-year-old is all into Cobra Kai right now, Pear. And she's been yes. like just trying to throw kicks in the house and wanting to try to kick apples off people's heads. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no way in hell you're doing that to me. But I had to introduce her to this song that Jay and Lady Smith is sending us this morning from Joe Esposito, the Karate Kid original soundtrack. You're the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, here I am bobbing my head on the way to soccer practice last night. She's looking at me like, what in the H-E double hockey sticks are you doing to me, Dad? Uh, Rod in Capitol Hill, he's going with hit me with your best shot. I mean... It is the Senators, and they're on the yep. ice for one more tonight, Pear, but it seems as though most people are welcome to take it. Why not, right? Anything anything to make you feel good, right? A win's a win. It's as simple as that. They hit him with multiple shots in the first period, but Thatcher Demp goes in, yeah, that's okay. And now it's kind of, all right, we, we let you hit me a few times. Take a right hand. That's exactly what the Canucks did to them. Got to knock them out, though, completely. It's good to have the TKO, but knock them out completely. 
get back to 500 today. Uh, Eastman Tommy also texting in at 6.56.50. One of my favorite shows as a kid. I guess I probably mostly watched these as reruns, but I'll tell you what, Petey last night probably looking like a little kid dynamite. I had the dynamite. I don't know Did what you? grade it was, but it, it was the tuxedo in my closet. So much so that when you're in grade school and you got to dress your best for a picture, I pulled that out. I don't know where it is. Mom has it somewhere. But there's my school photo, and I'm wearing a JJ Kid Dynamite T-shirt with a whole bunch of pride. Good times. Was there a, was there a, a better like resting B face of the 1970s than John Amos, who played the dad? Right, oh, just yeah. that scowl. Uh, all right, keep the good times rolling here. 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber uh, text line. Get your submission in. Canucks in a song. We'll get the music going all morning long here on Sportsnet 650. Brian Burke will join us in about 35 minutes. Ian McIntyre at 8 o'clock on your Canucks commute as well. It's all happening. Uh, and in a moment, hey, look. There's been a lot of talk about the Canucks over the last few days, right? Over the last week, a little panic, a little jittery, a little little bit of everything. It's been a roller coaster ride, and that's okay. We'll explain the passion and why it's so great in Canucks land next on your home of the Canucks. It's game day once again here on Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. 631 here on this Thursday morning. James Sabalski, Perry Selkowski with you here on the starting lineup. Brian Burke will join us just after 7 o'clock. And there's been a lot of chatter about the state of the Canucks lately. We're all a little excited, a little jumpy over this wonky start. Conversations about firing Jim Benning. The Freudian analysis from armchair psychologists everywhere over the performance of Pedersen and Hughes. Other markets and hockey analysts have kind of mocked and ridiculed our so-called outrage. Well, I say, bring it on. Oh, it's already been brought Yeah, let's bring back the us against the world mentality. What do you say, all right, Canucks fans? We kind of thrive on it here, don't we? Divided by... You know, the rest of the country, thanks to those snow-capped peaks called the Rockies, we stand alone here in British Columbia. And it's called passion. We give an ish. Kind of like when Doc Holliday was sick and tombstone, and he just still decided to defend Wyatt Earp. What the hell are you doing this for, anyway? Wyatt Earp is my friend. Yeah, well, I got lots of friends. I don't. You know, for years, we've all collectively watched this town turn into sports mudville. The Canucks mired in a massive rebuild, and the Leos and Whitecaps not exactly offering much of a distraction. This town is craving hope, and we got it last summer when the Canucks landed to within a game of reaching the conference final. For the first time in roughly 10 years, there's a team here that actually gives fans hope. So if you have a problem with any of us being a little anxious, being a little wound up, well, guess what? Buzz off. The care meter runs deep in this town when it comes to the Canucks. Think of it the way that T.O. viewed Tony Romo. It's my team. It's my quarterback. 
And if you guys do that, man, it's unfair. It's okay to fairly criticize a team when they are struggling. It's okay to call someone out who underperforms. You know what other cities do that? New York, Philly, L.A., Dallas. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's okay to disagree sometimes. Debate is good. But so too is accountability, and so too is caring. Sorry, not sorry. Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! Passion! That is what Canucks Nation is all about. And that's what we have experienced over the last week. And that is this morning's Seaball Says, Perry. Yeah, passion, but then there's logic too. And I think logic sometimes disappears really quick in this fan base to jump ahead and go, everybody's got to be fired. Everyone's at fault. Can't do it. Get rid of the coach. Get rid of the GM. There's there's something that goes along uh, with the excitement uh, and everyone being as passionate as you suggest. Unfortunately, it's it's a loss of patience, right? To be successful, sometimes you have to wait. You get new GMs come in. Let's take Billy Guerin coming into Minnesota. He just wasn't going to do much for a while. Good manager goes, I'm just going to wait and see. we got to figure it out. Fan base here, we gave them one week of hockey with one of their best players not there, another one struggling, and yesterday you were giving them two days on the runway, else this was it. So I understand the passion here. When we were all together, we were at our best in Vancouver, and I will go back to 2010 when we were all together and celebrated as a nation and showed the world what this city is all about. And I love it when the rest of the country goes, eh, Canucks, you know, we're, we're kind of against you. That's okay. You can be against us because right now you're shoveling the snow and we're looking outside going, do we need an umbrella today? No, I think it'll be okay. And I might have time for a quick nine holes of golf today too. But sometimes logic is disappearing in this city when it comes to panic and how quickly everyone wants to point the blame rather than go, you know what, just, just have a breath here. Just have a breath. So the fan base is unlike any other. Berkey refers refers to it constantly. Elliot Friedman. I mean, when the National Hockey Panel goes, oh, yeah, well, it's Vancouver, so, you know, everyone's crazy there. It's good crazy and bad crazy. I love the passion, but there needs to be a little more patience. That wasn't the fans that demanded that Benning be fired, right? Like, that was that – was... From a media that was media suggestions, media reports that kind of went through Rogers Arena on Saturday night, right? Like that wasn't the fans. I, I think there was the conversation. Oh, but James on social yeah. media, you don't yeah. think the the you know the trending fire betting? Yeah. you know that is that the media sitting on their laptops putting it on? Right, everyone agreed with it. No, but it's that. But no, but it's a big fan base that thought it was great. But it's members. It's members. uh, Though these are our colleagues that are having that conversation. We had that conversation on Saturday night on the post game show with Satyar Shah and I. I mean, you were in that building on Saturday night, right? Did you not sense that in the press box as well? Like that conversation was going through the arena. That it sounded like there was unrest in the front office and there was unrest in that organization. 
This wasn't fans just kind of all of a sudden going out there. There was a legitimate conversation going on in that building that night that there were suggestions, that there were whispers from members of the organization that were talking about maybe heads could roll here. Uh, It's just, uh, you know, whispers gather an incredible amount of steam, and are they real? Are they not? Uh, I, I listen. I heard them. Do I? But did I believe them? No. I, I think you're always looking when a team struggles. What could happen? But to, if it was going to happen, then I'd say it's wrong. That's one of the reasons you don't have success. Now, the the one thing about this fan base is is the biggest fan owns the team, and that's his right, right? And you kind of wonder. Hang on here. How do you how do you preach the patience? Where will the Aquilini sit with this? You know, they don't want this start. Is it Petey? Is Petey getting better? And that's the beauty of it all. He is a passionate fan, and sometimes you wonder if that means logic is going to go to the wayside here. But for the most part, I think when you hear the talk that quickly, that's talk, that's rumors. You're going to find that social media is about that. But I I just thought it was too quick. Hey, you know, I I think Bick Nazar said the biggest week coming up, it could alter the history of this team. Three games is not altering the history of this team against the Ottawa Senators, right? You have to play well. It's going to pipe up the conversation to might be rumors to, hey, things could be acted upon. Mm-hmm. And we may have that conversation again in two weeks when they come back from this road trip, James, and go, okay, now you, you proved you can beat Ottawa, but you can't beat anyone else. You're not good enough. I understand the passion. I wish there was more patience. Oh, I think there has been patience, though, hasn't there? I mean, it's been, it's been this – Jim Benning's been here for seven years. Like, are you of the opinion that Jim – Yes, but is Jim Benning going to be here longer than Pat Quinn, who was here for ten and a half years as general manager? If you have to put money on that now, um, if he is, they've won a Stanley Cup, and then the answer is yes. I think Jim Benning and the expectations is, you know, you're now you're you're knocking on the door to be a Cup contender. It's as simple as that. It's easy to to have a, a GM role for two or three years when the expectations aren't there. You get tightened up when you go, okay, now you're you've built your good hockey team. Now the expectations are great, and that's where they are right now. They're, they're not sliding back after what they did in the bubble. You, you know, we talk, maybe they're going backwards to go a step forwards. If they did go backwards and took a leap forward next year, it likely won't be with Jim Benning at the helm, but it'll be with what Jim Benning built. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, a lot of people jumping in on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, lots of Canucks in the songs. A lot of people wanting to ship me back uh, to the other side of the Rockies as well. Hey, I, I appreciate it. You know what? But it's passion. Like, we're not we're not in a situation where, look, three years ago, Pear, it was toxic in this town, right? It was toxic. Think about the, the Thomas Vanek, Tyler Mott trade at the time, and people were losing their, you know, their poop emojis over that deal because it wasn't a draft pick. And look at what Tyler Mott's turned into, right? Like, he's turned into a hell. He's probably, probably the best bottom six forward on this team, right? The best bottom six forward on this team is Tyler yep. Mott, what we've seen. But people were it, it got really uncomfortable in this town. No matter what you said, there was just so much negativity. I don't think it's negativity now. I think it's just people caring, right? I mean, there's other markets that people would ultimately question the decisions, and I don't. I think it's fair to criticize Jim Benning. Like this year, pair. This is the first time we really saw this team impacted by the salary cap implications of where this team's at right now. Right, Tyler Toffoli. Would you have kept Tyler Toffoli for four years and four million dollars? Of course you would have. 
and they couldn't make that happen because of some of the decisions in the past, right? It's okay to be critical sometimes. I'm not saying you got to be a jerk about it, but it's okay to be passionate. Yeah, but the, the thing is, it, what is it, Wednesday or Thursday? And, and Keith and Qualicum Beach, the fan base is not the issue. It's prognosticators like the two of you who are ready to write Peterson off. Keith, uh, you're not listening to the show. One of us maybe was down on Peterson. I haven't been down on Peterson at all. I'm saying patience. Thing is, James, you know, we talk and people text in after the first game, and you're going, holy smokes, look at Hoaglander. Oh, now I understand why they didn't give Tyler Toffoli $16 million over four years. They might have a kid here who legitimately could be a top six player. So you go, nice move by Benning. And guess what? Pod Colson, who, by the way, scored yesterday in the KHL game, he's coming too. He's going to play the right side too. Why do you need Tyler Toffoli? He could be an albatross if you gave him four years. So sometimes you swing and go, oh, geez, Beagle, you gave him four. That might hurt you near the end. So Tyler Toffoli comes in here, lights it up last week. So everybody's going to point to Jim Benning. Guess what? If Tyler Toffoli doesn't score for the next three weeks in Montreal, are we going to have people going, you know what? Toffoli, he's got no more goals than he had when he left Rogers. He can't score anywhere else except in Vancouver. So, again, it's patience. Jim Benning, yes, you've made mistakes. You understand that, and you're trying to fix them. And I bet you Jim Benning goes, man, if I can get through the offseason, if we can get to the postseason, and I can get to the offseason, and I finally have some money to spend, we're going to be in a really good position because Hoaglander's played some hockey. Chatfield looks like he can play. Olio Levy's going to be comfortable. We're going to be much better in 2022, but can we just get there first? It's going to be difficult because there's no easy nights except for Ottawa. Man, I hope we don't lose to Ottawa. How do you judge everything when you know the picture still has to play out in this crazy year we're about to break in? Island lover texting in. Passion isn't saying Pedersen should be gone in two games if he doesn't score. That's just hysteria. You're reactionary, James. You are the knee jerk. Did you just call me a jerk? Huh? Yeah, All right, good 643. Morning to Island Lover again. Island Lover straight on with his points. <laughs> All right, Brian Burke is going to join us coming up at 7 o'clock. Uh, what do we got coming up here in a moment, my man? Won't we with it's uh, not BS, just a bunch of PS. Who's the fastest guy in the NFL? Man, you got to have confidence, and this kid does. He's got a whole bunch. They're starting to talk it up already. No BS, just PS ahead here on another game day on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. You got it on Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. Giving you all the facts here on this uh, Thursday morning. This is not BS, everybody. AHL schedules out. You know Utica, they'll play 35 games, 14 games each. Against Syracuse and Rochester. How's that? 14 games each against those two teams. But there was a nice moment yesterday at the Hershey Bears practice. They stopped practice, told the players to look up at the scoreboard, including Matt Molson, where his kids had this message. Hi, Daddy. We're so happy to be here. We're so excited to announce this. That you have been named the 44th captain of the Hershey Bears. Well, that's nice. Dad uh, gets a video message. That he's the captain of the Hershey Bears. James, afterwards, his wife had a video message saying, seriously, won't you work harder? Couldn't you still be making NHL money? But he's a captain. You know what's amazing? Matt Molson, you think oh, he had a couple, I think he had two 30-goal years. He made $36 million in the NHL. Well, that, he could be a captain there. 
I don't think I realized he was still playing, but the, I think the worst nightmare for him was also the best thing that ever happened to him, where he had that home run contract, right? When he signed with uh, the Sabres, I think Buffalo. it was, where he cashed in. Yeah. He, wanted to, he wanted to kind of play close to home. He was a Toronto guy and, um, you know, had, what, three straight 30-goal seasons in uh, with the Islanders and then wound up going to, you know, hit the home run contract and kind of went off a freaking cliff not long after. Where have we seen that before? No, 16 years as a pro, but, yeah, I was shocked when I saw How much did Matt Molson make? He had a couple of good years, but you're right, home run deal. 36 million. Hey, he's the captain there, and obviously he loves playing there. He's been there for a few years. Uh, P.S. All we're going to hear about is the speed of the Kansas City football team as we get set for the Super Bowl a week from Sunday. Scotty Miller, the Tampa Bay receiver, was asked a question by Dan Patrick. You know, who would you take in a race if you were up against Tyreek Hill? I'm taking me every day of the week. Um, I'll take me over anybody. Tyreek is unbelievable, uh, super quick, unbelievable talent. But if we're talking about race, I mean, I got all the confidence in myself against going up against anybody. Wait, you think you're the fastest guy in the NFL? Yes, sir. Man, he's not shy of confidence, but how do you judge it? People went back to look at the times at their pro days, and Scotty Miller can fly. 4.39 in the 40-yard dash, so, man, he could talk it up. Except Tyreek Hill ran it in 4.29. I like you know, Scotty Miller, but, no, you're not as fast. You know, that's... That's kind of the track and field in the sprinter's life, right? It's an individual sport. It's basically, you know, human on human. Remember we talked to Tavon Campbell, you know, the Canadian who played in the CFL, yes. who's now playing with the Chargers. We asked him, who's the fastest guy in the league? And what was his answer, Pear? Besides me? Yes. Besides me, Yeah, you've got to right? have that confidence. But it's, it's like playing hockey. Who's the best skater, but who can skate the fastest with the puck? Tyreek Hill does a lot. Like, maybe Scott Miller go, yeah, I'm just running straight, fly pattern, I'll, I'll race him. Tyreek Hill, all of his yards is how quickly and subtly he can make the turns when he's going across. Pair, th think I'll about it. Tyreek Hill. Donovan Bailey was like that. Carl Lewis was like that. Usain Bolt was like that. Michael Johnson. Some of those guys we loved. Some of those guys we hated. But they were all confident in their own abilities as sprinters. Hey, man, you were a Bears fan. Willie Galt might have been the biggest yes! name yeah. there, right? Who could yeah. fly straight up. Hey, P.S., looking for a Valentine's Day ideas? Well, it's COVID. What can be done? She can be She can be A little Ben Morrison on this Thursday morning. You know what love comes in for Valentine's Day in the form of Kraft Dinner? They've got this new sweetheart candy-flavored oh. pink mac and cheese. They say it'll help you mac out. See, ball, all the girls, you pulling out some pink mac and cheese on the 14th of February? Hell no. I talked to Brenda about this last night. I showed her the picture, and her first, she was just like, ugh, ugh. I mentioned this to the kids as well. The reaction was just kind of, you know, and they love sugar, right? Which kid doesn't yeah. love sugar? And that mere conversation, they just kind of, huh? Hell no. No, I think that's a hard pass uh, in this household. P.S. He is the pride of our city. He's a big-time Hollywood star. It's about talking to women, and I know how to do that because I observe because I am a novelist. Seth Rogen is a novelist. He's got his book coming out, your book. It'll come out in May. His mom wrote the review 
on a press release, and Seth Rogen's mom said, If I'm being honest, I really wish there wasn't so much drug talk. Why does he need all that? It's like, we get it. What a great way to sell your book. Here's what my mom thinks, but hopefully you'll buy it in May. Seth Rogen, who's quite a potter, by the way, if you follow him on social media, does a lot of stuff. Book coming out in May. No BS, everybody. Just PS on this Thursday morning. Love it. Uh, except for the, uh, the the pink candy KD. No, no, not yes. down with that pair. Uh, 654. <laughs> uh, 6.54 here on this uh, Thursday morning. It is game day once again in the city as the Canucks and the Senators go out for round three. If only the Senators could be here for all 56 games of the season. What a wonderful world it would be. Uh, that's a few uh, thoughts on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 6.56.50. We'll get Brian Burke's thoughts on things. He was talking about this, uh, the Canucks being in cap hell and Jim Benning on a hot seat earlier this week. Does he still feel feel that way we'll talk to Berkey next right here on your home of the Canucks it's game day here on Sportsnet 650 let's get it going it's time to get up drop pass into the slot for Hughes to the back door Miller scores now Jordy Benson's into the goal tipped on by Miller gets his own rebound and scores Second of the game for JT Miller, who fires it over the club of Hogberg. These guys are here to break it all down. I'm never going to be complaining or, or not be happy about a win. You're not always going to come out and dominate a team. You're not always going to come out and be on top of your game. What I really like is that uh, our team responded after the first period. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. You can't complain not to get kicked in the groin. This is the starting lineup with James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. 7 o'clock, James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. We'll get to Brian Burke in just a couple of moments here as uh, everybody seems to be breathing a little easier. A lot of people uh, calling me out here, I guess, for being way too overreactionary over the last couple of days here, Perry. It's a nice start to the morning, and it's game day once again here in the city after the Canucks have now outscored the Senators 12-2. Um, but I think the most important thing for a lot of people taking away last night is the return or the resurrection, if you will, of Elias Pettersson. Pettersson with a goal, one assist last night. JT Miller also having his own sort of sit-up moment as well as he picks up two goals and an assist. And the lotto line accounting for three of Vancouver's five goals in the win. Uh, I want you to know, too, as we read the Dunbar Lumber text line, and please join the conversation. Good or bad, we'll read it. I got your back, too, when Idle Lover calls you a knee jerk. You, uh, There's nothing wrong with your knee. I'll take the knee out of that one. Um, hey, yeah, the lotto. Here's the thing, though, James. You know, you can overreact, but what if something goes wrong in 10 o'clock tonight? They've lost one of these to Ottawa. The expectations are... Why people look at games and break them down is the Ottawa Senators are not as good as the Vancouver Canucks if the Vancouver Canucks play well. And my goodness, that opening 20 minutes, you're going, are you kidding me? But then we saw the Canucks probably play their best 20 minutes of hockey when it ended right in the third period. And I, I now think there's kind of a comfort that, oh, there you guys are. Nice to see you. That's that's who you are. We haven't seen you for a long time. Um, and that means tonight, I think you should be comfortable that if they get the sweep, like people would have looked at the crystal ball, they're a 500 hockey team playing a lot more uh, like themselves. And then they can head out on the road, see what they can do against Winnipeg Saturday. But I, I think to judge this team, you need to see better competition. No offense to the Ottawa senators. They're just too young and not skilled enough right now. 
I think starting Saturday, that's when the next two weeks starting Saturday will be the telling sign of this team, and we'll know very well, I think, whether or not this team is is ready to try to push forward or the team is stuck in the mud. Uh, Brian Burke will join us here momentarily. I think another storyline that got a little overshadowed by, by the offensive output by the lotto line last night was Thatcher Demko, the return of bubble Demko. Pear, you called this a couple of nights ago thinking that Demko deserves another start going uh, strong with the 36 saves or the 35 shots that he faced uh, uh, back on Monday night in the win over the Senators. He carried that over last night, especially when the Senators tried to come back with a much better effort. Here's Travis Green on Demko's play. Keep it a minute. We just weren't uh, quick enough to pucks. We weren't strong enough on the puck. You know, you can you can talk to your team about the level of urgency they have to play with. You know, we just didn't come out and, their, and give their team credit. They did. They came out very urgent. They play, played quick. They played hard on the puck. They shot a lot of pucks to the net and, uh, Demmer held held the fort down, and then I thought we found our game in the second and late, raised our compete level. Our our skating was a lot quicker. Uh, we had more urgency in our game. Just an awful, awful start to the game, and there was Thatcher Demko who was dialed in, and that's that's two consecutive starts where with this team reeling after Saturday night pair. I think they needed a performance like this from their goaltenders, and it looks like Thatcher Demko now kind of has the early lead in terms of the 1-1A. One one Thatcher Demko, at least nine games in, kind of looks like the one to Braden Holpe's 1A. I know they call him Demmer. I, I wish they would just change his nickname to Bubbles because, you know, Bubble Demko is what they refer to. <laughs> hey, he was great. Now, he wasn't exactly uh, making saves off Hall of Fame shooters, but they're in the NHL. And he was good and he needed him because, again, I was shocked at some of the decision-making that the Canucks made in the first period. Some cross-ice passes that just said, what are you thinking? Uh, but they figured it out. And, and, James, now I think as we look ahead, you can't go, well, we didn't have preseason. Now as they head on this road trip after tonight, it's, yeah, okay, you've worked out the kinks. How good are you? Where are you? Now I believe it's easier to judge them as they disappear because any kinks, any rust, it's all gone. Now prove that you belong in a playoff position in the North Division. Let's bring in Brian Burke, a presentation of Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Brian, you've been in this market when the temperature gets turned up. I mean, do you empathize with what the players and even Jim Benning's kind of gone through over the last week or so? Well, when I worked in Vancouver, it was kind of starting, but I didn't have social media to deal with. Like, it's kind of a schizo market now like they've got this mainstream of really loyal fans that get it and you got this fringe of idiots and and lunatics that dominate social media and and talk shows so i didn't have to deal with that it it was a little bit you know there's always that that lunatic fringe but i didn't have to deal with a, a lot of them and now it's like crazy like they lose two games like fire everyone fire the gm fire the coach trade this guy it's very different. I was talking to Benji about it yesterday, and I said, you "Just you have to ignore it. You really, I mean, you have to ignore the media anywhere in Canada. You have to ignore the white noise anywhere in Canada." But when I was running the Vancouver Canucks, it was a lot easier than it is right now. Well, the power of social media—you just have to look at the stock market right now and see what's been going on in the last forty-eight hours. Berkey, you said last week on the air that you know, you know, what can Jim do here? Do you, do you think the concern when the talk was just, it was incredible to have two weeks of hockey played, your main guy out for three games because of COVID testing. 
Uh, you have to play with three guys with limited NHL experience against maybe the best team in Canada in Montreal. And it just seemed like, was that just talk on social media? Or do you think Jim Benning's job and still is, is, you know, is that close and that tedious to if this doesn't go right in a hurry, he would have been in trouble. Well, this will be news to you, but I'm not tight with ownership there. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't tell you how close things came. I don't think close. I, I I said this last night on TV. Look at Jim Benning's drafting. He got screwed three years in a row in the draft lottery. Dropped one pick, two picks, two picks, and still came up with some of the best players in that draft. He's done a really good job on the draft side. He's he's been patient. Now he's made some mistakes that have led to cap issues, and that's on him. I can't I can't absolve him of that. But he's he's done a pretty good job. Like no one would have thought the Canucks would do that well in the bubble. Then they lost some people because they it's salary cap. You know when, when we won the Cup in Anaheim, Tamu and Scott Niedermeyer retired. I mean, this is what happens in the salary cap situation. You got issues. You got problems. So to me, I think he's done a pretty good job. And I think I don't think he was close to getting fired. You would have thought so. You would have thought there was a mob outside the, the GM place or wherever the Rogers Arena now with, with torches and and a rail. But I, as I, I talked to him yesterday, and he said, "Look, we we haven't had our whole team together for one game, really. So you go back, you know, JT Miller's out, uh, Edler gets hurt, this guy gets hurt. They had to play three young defensemen. They haven't had their whole team together. PD had a terrible start. He was really good last night." Um, and now it's coming together, and all of a sudden, oh, everything's fine, right? But it's in Vancouver. So the, the drama is massive. I guess the other question, Brian, is is would ownership want to stomach the idea of paying two executive salaries at a time when they've already had to lay off a lot of staff too, right? Well, I, I think that's an issue for every team. Right right now, it's it's a bleak landscape, for NHL teams right now, like your revenues, you have no fans. Even even if you get to admit five thousand fans, I, I'm guessing they're not paying top dollar and they're not jamming the concessions booth. They're, they're sitting in their seats, so the revenues are slashed badly. Um, I can't imagine that's not the case for every team. They're like, I'm not paying two GMs in a pandemic where I got no revenue. So I, I I've heard that about Vancouver. So we don't want to pay two guys, and I believe it's true, but. I don't think that's being cheap if I'm the Aquilini family. I think that's probably a league-wide view is, hey, get through the year. Let's let's get back to normalcy, get the vaccine distributed, get some butts back in the seats, and then we'll see. And because of that, Berkey, I think it's fair to say, I mean, the GM's job is to always try and fix it as things are going along. But throw in the borders, the quarantine, more so than ever, is it going to be what you see is what you got? I would say so right now. Like, like, okay, so imagine you're Jim Benning and you like a player on a U.S. team, and there's a fit. Cap-wise and talent-wise, there's a fit. But you got he comes across the border. He's waiting 14 days. In, the, in a regular schedule, it might be three, four games. In this schedule, that's probably six, the way the, way the schedule is, is packed in like it is. So, yeah, I, I would hope and wish that the owners have more patience. I just don't have much faith in owners being patient, just from personal experience. <laughs> I'm not jaded, but I, I, I don't have much experience uh, or much faith in that based on my lifetime in the NHL. 
Well, you still got a Stanley Stanley Cup ring to uh, to kind of show for it. So, uh, and you've certainly experienced a few uh, a few different uh, antsy owners along the way. Uh, Pedersen finally kind of, I guess, gets that giant piano. I think as you've described off his back with a pretty good offensive performance last night. Uh, is it time to breathe easier now, or do you take a little bit of what we've just seen for the last couple of days for the uh, Canucks realizing who the opposition is and a very uh, bleak-looking Ottawa team? Well, no, I think Ottawa's better than they played. They, they, they've laid an egg the last two games, but they're better than that. Um, to me, the you go back one game. Last night, Petey was great. But if you go back one game, and I even said this because we did that game, I saw improvement after the first period. I thought first period, body English sucks, his performance sucks, head down. And then second period, you saw some life. I, I actually sent Travis Green a text and said, Petey's waking up here. Third period, I thought he was better. Last night, he was excellent. He was back to the old Petey, shooting the puck, making good plays, threw a good body check. I, I loved it. He, he was good. And so now they got him back. But I think he missed JT Miller when Miller was out. I think it's I think it's hard to get a team going all by yourself, but he was really good last night. And yeah, I think he, Quinn Hughes was better last night. JT Miller was really good last night. If I'm a Canucks fan, I'm like, giddy up, let's go. They they look like the old the bubble Canucks now. Because of the cap, they had some personnel losses, but last night their goaltending was excellent. How do you? And Travis Green said afterwards, "Hey, I will never complain about a win. Really like the last forty minutes and how they responded." How do you explain, though, if you were the GM, what you watched in the first 20 minutes there? Well, I'm going to give you a really poor explanation. Anyone who's driving in their car, just hang on to the wheel so they don't swerve into the ditch. No idea how a team lays an egg like that. For for It happened the night before Calgary did the same thing. Yeah, Calgary had one shot, one shot on net in the first period. And I'm, I'm looking at it going like, Okay, I know all of these players except two or three that have come in since I left, or maybe four or five. But I know all these players. How can they play that poor a period at home? Now, mind you, there's no fans, but they were in Calgary and they laid a complete egg. They were awful. And I watched the Canucks last night get out, worked out, shot out, hustled, but the goaltender kept them in it, so they had a chance. Like it was amazing performance by Thatcher Demko. So now at the end of the first period, instead of being down three or four nothing. You're right there. So I, I have no idea how a team lays an egg like that. And, and I was a player. We did it. I only played one year pro, but we won a Calder Cup. We won a championship. We won lots of games. We were really good. But we did that once in a while. And you're like, what's going on? How can 20 guys fall asleep together? And, and there's no answer. It's inexplicable. Brian Burke, a presentation of Andrew Sherritt Limited here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, looking around the rest of the National Hockey League, I think a real surprising story out of Pittsburgh yesterday, and there's Jim Rutherford. I mean, one of the best GMs of his era. I mean, three Stanley Cup wins to do it in two different markets, walking away as uh, the boss in Pittsburgh with the Penguins. You've got an aging core here uh, with Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Uh, I guess, first off, any any idea why he did this and, and how coveted a job is this knowing that, you know, you're committed to Crosby at least for the for next four years, and he's 33 now. You guys still there? Yep. Yep. Oh, you're not. <laughs> I think we just got put on hold there, or something along those lines. Okay, sorry. And, and you oh, know, while we back. while he's we get back. Berkey back, James, just just reading now recently, and who knows whether it's true? It's social media. 
but uh, someone in the in the Pittsburgh uh, sports market there suggesting that Rutherford had a deal in place and was looking to move Latang, and ownership said we're not doing that. And and could that have been? I mean, it, it seemed to be so surprising to everyone around the league that all I, of a sudden I, Jim I, I Rutherford Brian, with a good hockey team, his resume goes, I'm done. Pear, I think Brian's um, back here. Brian, you there? Berkey, you back with us? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, were you shocked, as everyone seems, with Jim Rutherford yeah. and what happened yesterday? Absolutely. But I, what I heard, I hadn't heard Latang. What I heard was there's a disagreement on where they go from here. And Jimmy has dealt and traded. Like, he, he's an all-in guy. He's a riverboat gambler type GM. And he thinks they're still in the window, so he makes these deals. And now she gets Matheson. I don't. I think they have... They don't have a first or a second next year. I don't think he, he's he's trading and playing poker as if they're still in their window. And there's a real dichotomy in the hockey world on whether they're still in their window or not. I, I have said publicly, I don't think they are. I don't think they're capable of winning. They've got Sidney Crosby. He's one of the greatest players that ever played in their league. But he's on the back nine. they got Malkin, who's a really good player. He's on the back nine. they got Latang. I'm not sure about their goaltending, and I'm not sure about the rest of the pieces. So I'm a skeptic. I do not. I'm not convinced they're in their window. And my guess is that's the debate that went on with ownership. Jimmy thinks we're still in our window, and they're saying we're not. So your philosophy, obviously, if you think you're in your window, your philosophy is add assets and, and trade futures. We'll trade draft picks. We'll trade kids. We're trying to win, and that's admirable. But if you're not in your window, it should be, What's the maximum I can get for an Evgeny Malkin? What's the maximum I can get for this guy? So to me, that's that's probably the debate that raged. I did not hear it was around Latang, but that doesn't surprise me. That's that's what happens. You get to a point with ownership where they have a they disagree which 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 way the compass needle points, and and that's where the conflict starts. You know, it, it, you look at drafting um, for the Penguins, too, and, you know, obviously giving up picks to try to, to in a win-now scenario with Sid and Malkin, but they've only had three first-round picks since 2012. I mean, one of those, Derek Pouliot, one's Kasperi Kapanen, and they had to actually give up another first-round pick to get him back. What What would you, if you're in charge of Pittsburgh, what do you do? Like, would, would you let Malkin walk after next year, or do you try to move him sooner rather than later? Uh, like, how would you handle that situation? Well, I've, I've been a, a trade deadline guy with with a non-playoff team that needed time. So what you basically do is you say, okay, if we're going to get better, we're keeping these assets. So you do a list and you put them over on the left. We're keeping this kid. He's a second-year pro. We love him. We're keeping this guy. He's got a leadership role. And you park those assets on the left side. And then you have another a column in the on the sheet of paper. Here are the guys we would move in a heartbeat for the right deal. And then you have a third column, which is here are the guys that are going no matter what, whatever we get for them, they're going, we're not going to qualify this guy. So if we get a fourth round pick for him, he's going, and we're not going to, we don't want this guy. We don't like this guy. He's going. So you have three columns and it's a very different philosophy that if you think you're winning, which is you're trying to identify players who can get you over the hump. It's a very different philosophy. So this makes perfect sense to me. If, if I've got it right, this is what people are telling me. I haven't talked to Jimmy. I texted him to just say, I hope he's okay. But that's my sense. So that's my belief from talking to a couple of people. That's what happened here. The philosoph- but uh, philosophical Bur- difference. My question would be this, Berkey. So we've only played three weeks of hockey. 
would this not or the direction of this team not been figured out before the season started and, and they went into it with this kind of boiling up? No, I, I think they went into it thinking that they have a team that can compete for a Stanley Cup. That's Jimmy's belief, I believe. And I don't share that belief. So would this have been boiling up by now? Maybe. I don't know. I, I've never been able to figure out owners. That's why I worked for five teams. <laughs> um, thank you. I felt like there was a bit of a drive-by on uh, some uh, wacko uh talk show hosts in this market i was i can only assume it was uh you know tough love for both perry and i but nice to catch up with you sir yeah it's a real pleasure i look forward to it every week <laughs> you and i both man we have <laughs> you something and in common. oh everyone's a fan <laughs> thanks brian thanks Mark. see you guys take care there he is brian burke a presentation of andrew share limited uh lots to digest there we'll get to uh in just a couple of moments but we head down the hall and check in with our friend from news Eleven Thirty who's taking issue of everybody breathing easier about that Canucks <laughs> win last night. Sonia Aslam. Morning, boys. You coming in? You're salty Sonia this morning. No, I'm not. I'm realistic, Sonia. Relax. Okay. What do yeah. you got? Uh, I just think, I, you know, I watched the game last night, um, even though I was in the middle of the show on the air. But um, I think that we all need to just calm down with saying that, oh, this is the big turning point. You know, like Demko's a young Carey Price. What? What? No, he's not. He's not. I need more proof than just a couple of games. So uh, I do hope that this, you know, the the two games that we've had against the Sens and, you know, we've played really well. But keep in mind, it's the Sens. They suck. So um, I think hopefully this is the stepping stone to getting the confidence back that we needed. And then we'll see how things go. I think the real I, I test is playing against the I love the fact that you're telling everyone to calm down. But last week we're talking to you. You're, you're going, oh, my goodness, this team is oh, We're awful. I you're that fan base that see, but you are the passionate fan base. Good days, bad days, it dictated by the result of your hockey team. Well, duh, sports ups and downs. Like I think everyone should be mm-hmm. like that. You have to analyze it as it comes. I think again, the test for us is going to be against you know the Habs and teams that aren't Ottawa. Fair, yeah, yeah. no, no, I, 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 I don't disagree with that, and we we've, we've talked about that uh, a lot this morning. Um, did you get any stock in uh, GameStop or what? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> kind of wish I did now. <laughs> did you guys? No, I missed that one. Yeah. It's down now. It's down ten percent this I morning. Know. But give me give me a sense of what how this has impacted the newsroom. Can you guys can you put a can you can you put it into context at all? It, it's sort of tough. I don't know how you want me to put it into context for the newsroom. I think that we all watch it for a few days, and it's exactly you know it's so dangerous to just have people run the market like that so easily. But um, in terms of news-wise, no, it, it is – I don't want to sound like Todd here, but it, it is what it is. <laughs> well, so. you guess what? I mean, it's social media. Uh, uh, you know, you see what it did with the election and stuff and how you can gather people. It was social media in the financial market saying, here's what you got to buy, and everybody jumping on board and, yeah. and, 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 you know, people trying to short it and hedge funds involved, and it's different. Closer to home, what's going on with the the in the Yukon with that BC couple that went there? Are they going back for a second? So they have been welcomed back, but only for a court appearance. Huh? Um, yeah, no, mm. the the minister came out yesterday. He was quite emotional. He was crying at some points during the news conference talking about this. Just so irritated, so disappointed, so upset that this is uh, the now former CEO of Great Canadian Gaming and his, what is it, Seawalt, his 32-year-old wife? 
the 55. Daughter or wife? Yeah. Oh, okay, well. Ha, ha, ha. Ah, ha, ha. Wife, <laughs> yes, it is his wife, yes. <laughs> um, so uh, they chartered a private jet. They went to the Yukon. They got the COVID vaccine, so they jumped the queue. But they went to an area that has zero cases right now. Um, and so they haven't gone back to apologize. They haven't spoken. They haven't said anything. Um, so they are being welcomed back and they are expected to actually go back to the Yukon for their court appearance. They've been fined for, you know, a few thousand dollars for breaking quarantine rules. They didn't get another test before they got on a plane back to BC, which you're supposed to do. They did not test negative because they never got that test. Like there's so many layers to this and it's so irritating. And it all, all it does is speak to the privilege of people who have money and what they're able to do. And that's, you know, the biggest piss off for a lot of people. Well, you know, to go back to that, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, because John Horgan yesterday said they're not really talking about changing the rules in terms of the fines and the punishment and the penalties, but when you make $10 million a year and your fine is 500 bucks, It's nothing. It's nothing, right? right? And and that's where, you know, you want to put a deterrent in there? Like, get tough on crime. It's the same as these $2,000 or $2,300 fines for these people that are throwing parties that they're clearly factoring in the cost of doing business, right? Like, okay, we're going to get fined $2,000 for this. We know this is going to cost us this. You know, throw somebody in jail then. Or, like, get tough on crime if you're going to be serious about putting deterrence and getting people to stop acting like this. Yeah, and we've asked that numerous times. Like, we've talked to the Solicitor General almost every day this week to push him on what's going on with this. Because you're right, it's not a deterrent. And what we're noticing is for those who are breaking the rules, um, they are raising money just to be able to pay for the fine because they know they're going to get busted. So that condo nightclub situation in downtown Vancouver, that Mm -hmm. was rumored to be one of the things they were doing. They were collecting money at the door, almost like a cover charge, but that money was going to go towards a fine. We've heard reports of the same thing happening with the churches in the Fraser Valley, that, hey, when you're giving to the church and you're giving to charity, do you mind putting in a little bit extra because in case we get fined, we can help pay for it. So $2,300 is not enough. I've uh, I've quickly tried to do the math. Uh, Five thousand if you make ten mil. If you make fifty thousand dollars and you were fined, it would be two dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, it's it's not enough. And so you know this is very similar to what we saw with distracted driving. I know I've said that before because the fines were not that high. People were doing it and people still do it, but they were doing it so easily. And then they really got tough with it. They increased the penalties. The fines went up way higher. If you have multiple offenses, fines start at $10,000, which I don't think people know in this province. So if you want to really crack down on this, 2,300 is not enough. You should double it to, you know, five grand, make it 10 grand. That's it. Most people like to keep their money. What I found. That's true. Yeah, I've also found that. I also like money and I want to keep it. But if you make it 10000 I guarantee a lot of these parties wouldn't be happening. Thanks, Aslam. Thanks, boys. Rock on. There Later. she is. Sonia Aslam from News 1130, uh, just down the hall with the latest this morning from the News 1130 newsroom. All right, 26 minutes after 7 o'clock. It is game day. Canucks and the Senators, round number three. Uh, get those submissions in. Canucks and a song, 650-650. What song comes to mind? After last night's Canucks performance, we've got a bunch pouring in on the Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll get to those, and we'll also react to what Berkey had to say, and we'll do that next right here. It's game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 733. How about that? 
you, you get a new job. You're a, you're a head coach finally in the NFL after all these years. And David Culley, congratulations. Oh, yeah, your franchise quarterback wants out officially with the Houston Texans pair. Well, and, and that's where it stemmed from, right? Who are you bringing in? What's the situation? And I just think, you know, Berkey talked about Jim Rutherford uh, pulling the shoot on Pittsburgh, not on the same page as ownership. Deshaun Watson doing the same thing. And I'll tell you what, wherever Deshaun Watson goes, I mean, he kept that football team in an awful lot of games over the last couple of years. He will make someone a, a Super Bowl contender if they have something built already. But, yeah, it is as exciting, honey. We got a great – how's the team going to be? Uh, we got nobody at quarterback, man. We're, we're going to suck. But I'm in the NFL, so see what he can do. That's too bad. I like that Houston football team. I think we watched it close to you with our friend Christian Covington a couple of years ago. And he thought, man, there's a lot of pieces there, but uh, never been able to keep it together. Have to keep your employees happy, and that's not the case there. And uh, they also don't have a first-round pick either. It is game day here in the city at Rogers Arena. Canucks and Senators round number three. And last night, the lotto line comes back to life uh, in a big way. Miller and Pedersen combining for three goals. Petey fully admitting after this one last night that, you know what, he was certainly feeling the weight of that giant piano on his back with those early season struggles. I mean, there's always pressure. I mean, um and I'm the guy that put the most pressure on me. I always want to play good. And, and I'll be honest, my first couple of games haven't been the way I wanted to play. Uh, I think today was a, definitely a step in the right direction. Um, but me and our line definitely have a lot more to give. And uh, we know about it, we talk about it, and uh, hopefully we can have a much better game. Uh, Pair, I, I was critical in the sense that, look, and it's okay to be critical of a player who is underperforming when you're off to a 2-5 and five start and you're the team's best player and you are just invisible out there, not doing anything away from the puck, not doing anything with the puck. Um, but an encouraging sign to see him kind of look like the PD from last season, looking like the PD from the postseason that was engaged. I mean, you know what, not just offensively. Look at that hit on Dadanov in the third, right? You know, he was doing other things even without the puck. Yeah, I mean, you were you were giving him two two more games before you're shipping him out. I mean, I, I think the not shipping him out, but just that, that it's okay going, to be right? critical. I I think the fact that he started slow to start just exasperates everything. Going well, hang on here. Maybe what happened in the off season? This is not Petey, but if it would have happened in the middle of the year, and it has before. There's been a handful of games where he wasn't good last year, but you go, well, geez, if finally he's on a slump. He was on a tear. Now he can't score. But it's amazing to see the body language. It started with, the, you know, a little deflection against Montreal. Okay, there's some confidence. You know what I liked, and we'll hear from, from Miller in a second too. I just liked when he did score and when JT Miller scored. It's like, yeah, like not okay. Finally, here I am. It's a little bit of a wry smile, but my God, how long did that take? Of course I was going to. It was just a matter of when. Expectation for this line is absolutely huge. They know it. They felt it. But give them some time to get into shape and get going. And that time now is kind of up. See what they do tonight. One night's great. It's actually only two periods. Let's see what they can do again tonight in Ottawa. And then the test becomes a little more difficult the rest of the way because the easy nights are the Ottawa Senators this year, and that's it. JT Miller also uh, getting up off the canvas as well and totally admitted afterwards that he certainly felt it in his legs missing those first few games because of the COVID protocol. Uh, but even after last night's offensive output, he feels that the lotto line can still be better. 
be frank with you. I think we need to be way better as a line still. I think we need to push ourselves. And I know it looks pretty for you guys because I got some points today, but at the same time, there's not much difference in the game. Um, we're relied upon to put points up and produce for our team, but we're relied on to work hard and create momentum for our team. And, you know, and, and typically when we work hard, the ice opens up like it did in the third period. I thought third period was our, um, probably our best period of the year. But at that point, it's, you know, it's four or five to one game. So we need to be better and start the game better. There's JT Miller. Uh, 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Pair, you know the drill, man. After every Canucks game day, we fire up the music with Canucks in a song. We get people to submit their uh, choices, their musical selection, based on how they view the Canucks' performance through song. And some of the submissions poured in. Jeff decided to go with a little Jackson 5, ABC. Oh, ABC. Yeah, little J5 last night, and Miller, Petey, finding that one-two punch again, and even Quinn Hughes engaged like we haven't seen in a while, and uh, probably his best effort in a while, and uh, everybody coming up aces last night, and easy as ABC, one, two, three. Well, they were, but I tell you, the one, two, three, the ABC play, it was like, should it not just be A? Shoot the puck from a great angle. You're in pretty much all alone. He doesn't. They go ABC, one, two, three score the goal, and that got him going. Hey, it was elementary. Looked like it. I don't know if the competition was great. They'll be better today, Berkey said. I mean, that Ottawa team, they're pro hockey players. That's been two terrible nights for them. But, yeah, I'll agree with it. ABC, one, two, three. You can't go wrong with a little Jackson 5 any time in the morning. Absolutely not. No. I mean, one of the maybe the greatest boy band ever, right? Jackson 5. Uh, another submission in here, 650-650. Thatcher Demko was certainly back to bubble Demko last night. That's where this submission for The Wall comes in. Hey, teacher, leave him kids alone. All in all, it's just a brick in the wall. Oh, there we go. Uh, some other great submissions. Uh, hey, Vance in the Loops going with Ain't Nothing But a Gangsta Party from Tupac. David Nanaimo. He's thinking little Aerosmith back in the saddle. Canuckaholic also texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. He's going with the cars, pair. Let the good times roll. Lots of submissions coming in here over the course of the morning, and we'll get to uh, a lot more of them as they kind of pour in here at 650-650. Always seems to be a little bit easier after this team wins a hockey game to go, all right. What's my favorite song? How did that work out? So, hey, it worked out well. They need to, to sweep the series to get back to 500 before they take off on the road. Uh, the first two were done. Thought it would be difficult, and it was for the first 20 minutes. Really interested to see what they have here now. You know you're going to get the best of the Ottawa Senators. We've been told, and what we saw was probably the last 20 minutes, which is the best of the Vancouver Canucks. Can they come in as they should, James, and dominate a 60-minute hockey game against the Sens? and have a clean sweep of a series, which won't happen very often, I don't think, in this short season. But uh makes it very intriguing as to what they do tonight with Braden Holpe in all likelihood in the Nets. 
Uh, Kev also going with uh, Here Comes the Boom. Love it. Uh, okay, we'll get to much more of these in the 8 o'clock hour at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock. It is game day with the Canucks and Senators pregame show starting at 5. Puck drop with Batch and Hershey at 7 o'clock tonight here on Sportsnet 650. But in a moment, a very important message from our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, Corey Hirsch. That's next. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Yeah, there's a submission. Little Bob Marley. Take it. Oh, sure. Doesn't matter where you are, what the situation. You put this in, everything just seems to ease over. All right. Let's let's relax. Let's relax. It'll all help out. It'll all work out. And that kind of is the mood, I think, in this city over the last 48 hours. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Much more, uh, many more Canucks of the song uh, coming your way in the 8 o'clock hour. Your Canucks commute coming up at 8 o'clock. Ian McIntyre will join the conversation on this game day as the Canucks will try to make it a clean sweep of the Ottawa Senators later this evening at Rogers Arena. Last night, Pear, it was Hockey Talks Night uh, for the Vancouver Canucks uh, at Rogers Arena. And today, if you haven't noticed, if you haven't been on social media yet, I'm sure you've seen the commercials on television over the last few days as well in the last few weeks. But it is Bell Let's Talk Day, and it is all in support of mental health. And the one thing I think we have a much greater understanding of from a societal standpoint is the impact mental health has on society and so many of us, and especially this year, probably greater than ever with the impact the pandemic and COVID-19 has had. And I'll say this, Pear, I think from a societal standpoint here in the province of British Columbia, we got it much better than a lot of other parts of the country that, you know, talking to family out east, you know, on full lockdown right now, it's hard. And, and they're feeling it way more um, because of the restrictions that are in place comparatively to what we have. We, I think we still have a little more flexibility, but people are still having a hard time right now. Well, they are. And, you know, you go through the holiday season. I know underneath our roof, we knew someone who, who took their life just prior to Christmas. And it's a topic that used to be taboo. And in these last 48 hours with what goes on today and hockey talks yesterday, um, it's something in the conversation needs to continue. So we thought we would play for you. If you missed it, the opening of our game yesterday on Sportsnet 650 was not all about here's what the Canucks need to do. It was our own Corey Hirsch uh, opening up and telling his story. So important on this day, so important to talk, so important to listen. And we'd like you to do that right now. Here was what Corey had to say and how he opened up the hockey game yesterday. Tonight is hockey talks with the Vancouver Canucks and around the league. I think we have almost 15 teams now celebrating hockey talks. And I just want to put a disclaimer out there right now before I start to talk because it is a special day for me, but we need change. And these are the words of myself and not necessarily of Rogers or Sportsnet. Um, and it's a sensitive topic, and I'm going to say that right now. This is going to be a, um, a tough talk to get through, but I want to talk about Rick Rippon. Um, he took his own life, and it's the reason that we have hockey talks. Rick Rippon was not selfish for taking his own life. There was a better option, yes, um, but there's a taboo word out there, 
and it's suicide, and we think that people are selfish for taking their own life. Rick Rippon just wanted the pain to stop. He didn't want to die. No more than I didn't want to die. And if anyone has read my stories, you know that I've been there. I've been on the edge. I wanted the thoughts to stop, and I wanted the pain to stop. Thankfully, I'm still here. Unfortunately, Rick Rippon is not. Suicide is not selfish, but it's also not the answer. There is help available, I promise you, and I am living proof of that things get better. COVID has been tough on all of us, and especially on people that are alone. Isolation is tough and is known to cause mental health issues. But I do want to talk about one thing too, which is masculinity of men. My age, between the ages of 45 and 65, we have a massive mental health crisis. We are the highest risk group for suicide. 75% of suicides completed are by men my age. And we need to help them. Masculinity does not help. Let it go. You're man enough. I went and got help. I can still do things that make me a man, play hockey, all those things. Let it go if you are thinking that men don't get help out there, that they suffer alone, that they struggle. I want you to know that that is not masculinity. And that's something that needs to change in men. And I need help out there changing that. Between the ages of 10 and 24, suicide rates have gone up 56% in the last 10 years. Those are our children. And we need this to end. And we need it to stop. And we need to help them. I want to talk about the ending the medication stigma that's out there. I did not ask for a mental illness, no more than someone asked for cancer or diabetes or anything else, but I have one. It does not discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor, lawyer, construction worker, whatever you do, whatever color your skin is, mental health does not discriminate. And medication is the reason that I am still alive, that I am still here. I would not have made it. I'm not pushing pharma. I'm not pushing anything. Um, We have a long way to go with our medications, but if you need it, you are no less of a person than anybody else. No more than we don't shame anyone for cancer or diabetes for taking their medications. Brain issues are a chemical imbalance a lot of times, and medication helps and helps people live and live long, fantastic lives. I want to thank my Rogers and Sportsnet family, my Canucks family, The support I get from them has been incredible. Since I came out with my story, the love and support I've gotten has been off the charts. I've had tragedy in my life through mental health. And who was there for me? Rogers, Sportsnet, my friends, my family, my Canucks family. A lot of people don't know this behind the scenes, but the support that I got from them meant everything in the world. And the fact that Rogers and Bell can come together on Mental Health Day on Bell Let's Talk is an incredible thing in its own that we all agree that this needs to change. When I think of mental illness, you are you are not weak if you have a mental illness. I think of Michael Phelps, 23 gold medal, suffers from depression. Robin Leonard suffers. He's bipolar, almost one goaltender of the year. Tyler Mott, our very own Canuck, has come out with his story. And we need to encourage more players to come out with their stories because the statistics tell me that One in five, 20% of people suffer from mental illness or mental health issues. And I know just because you're a professional athlete and you make money or because you have more money than everybody else, privilege does not (laughs) discriminate for mental illness or mental health. And we need to help them and let them know that it's okay to come forward, that we will help them and not judge them. And I want to 
say, lastly, when you think of someone with mental health issues, I want you to think of me. I'm not crazy. I'm not insane. I'm not a bad person. I need your help. We have a massive mental health crisis on our hands, and it's going to take a village. It's going to take all of us in society. Because right now, there is a kid out there somewhere contemplating taking his or her own life. We cannot fail them. Failure is not an option. For every teen suicide, we have failed a child. They need us. They need the information. Please, it just may save a life. I need your help in ending the stigma. If you are out there and you're contemplating taking your own life or whatever stage of life you're in right now, there's help is available. I guarantee it. I am living proof of it. The suicide hotline number is 833-456-4566. 833-456-4566. Kidshelpphone.ca is a great resource for kids and people out there and families that struggle and battle with mental illness. Please reach out. Get the help. A better life is out there waiting for you. I am living proof of that. Thank you. A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute. I'm the guy that puts more pressure on me. I've always wanted to play good, and I'll be honest, my first couple of games haven't been the way I wanted to play. Uh, I think today was uh, definitely a step in the right direction. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. It is eight o'clock, hour number three, and this hour with the Canucks commute is a presentation of Surrey Honda. Go visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located on 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, game day once again in the city as the Canucks will look to make it a clean sweep in the three-game series against the Ottawa Senators, thus far outscoring the softest team in the North Division, the Gord Downey Division, if you will, 12-2 through two games. It wasn't pretty how it started last night, but by the end, everybody breathing easier. As you're seeing a goaltender emerge in this one-two punch with Demko and Holtby, and the lotto line coming back in a big way last night with Pedersen and Miller accounting for three of the five goals last night in the 5-1 victory pair. Yeah, and I think, you know, they talked about it early on on the broadcast, uh, and we had talked about it as the week started and with Dan Murphy, and, and Murph and I were of the mindset, you know, play Demko. I know you've got the 1-2, one, the 1-2, one, and I do think it made a big difference to give him that game and go, okay, that's two in a row, and that's his best game of the year. A lot of confidence in Holtby, and if Holtby plays really well tonight, you never know what the decision is, but I think eventually you needed one guy to go to and you needed a Demko to give them that first period. That means a lot. And you heard from Petey. Listen, social media, the entire town could be on him. What's he going to do? When you're a superstar athlete, you put more pressure on yourself than anybody else. JT Miller showed it as uh, his frustration in the game two nights ago. And then they showed it, and it wasn't like, yeah, we got it done. It's just, okay, that's what we need to do. And I think the focus will be in higher today. See if you can get the sweep, man. Be a 500 hockey team. They'll have played 10 games more than anybody else in the division, and they needed to win three in a row and then reset it all and start it up on Saturday in Winnipeg. But finish it tonight. Show your focus, and you can finish off Ottawa tonight. 
Yeah, and I'll certainly take advantage of these points that are going to be really hard to come by starting on Saturday night when they kick off a six-game road trip. And, and I'll get to that in a second. Glenn and Victoria texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. By the way, don't forget to get those Canucks in a song as well. It's 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Glenn and Victoria saying, hey, Seaball, feel stupid? Seems like that first line is back, buddy. Told you so. Power of positivity. You know, Glenn, I, and I think that's fair. You could, you guys could kick me in the butt and for what I was saying yesterday. But, look, the Canucks are going to go as far as their best players are going to take them. And it is excellent for this team to have their best players fired up again last night like you saw. Because, Pear, as good as the Canucks looked, at least in the second and third periods last night, and as good as they looked on Monday night, there's still a little bit of uh, take this with a grain of salt with these two wins at the hands of the Ottawa Senators. Now, we heard from Brian Burke last hour that, you know, I don't think the Sens are quite as bad as we've seen the last couple of days, but they just don't have the horses to compete and and against the talent that what the, what the Canucks can offer here. And I, the real telling sign to me are the next two weeks. By this time in two weeks from now, we're going to be at a position where we'll have watched the Canucks roll six games on the road against the Leafs and the Habs and the Jets, and then a four-game series against the Calgary Flames. Four straight against the Flames. Man, that is going to feel like a fight. That's going to feel like a 2015 first-round series like we saw six years ago. That, to me, is the more telling side I'm looking at. Yeah, perspective's a tough thing, especially with sports with emotion. But so we have to have perspective if they win and they sweep Ottawa going, hey, it was Ottawa. But I do think you need to have perspective on how this season started, too, without J.T. Miller, without Jordy Ben, who was going to be a help. And we've seen it with Quinn Hughes right now with three guys on the blue line. Right. I, I think perspective on that start has to be put in with a little bit of, you know, I don't want to make excuses. But the fact is. And as Berkey said in talking to Jim Benning yesterday, Benning said, I'll be honest, we kind of had really one game with our lineup. So what we saw for the first 10 days for the Canucks, likely not the Vancouver Canucks. What we saw in a dominating 40 minutes uh, yesterday against Ottawa, not likely not really the Vancouver Canucks. What we saw in the first 20 minutes, terrible, likely not the Vancouver Canucks. But I do think when they go on this road trip and they return, those excuses, those crutches, everything probably put into a little bit better of a perspective as to, hey, you've decided who your goalie is. You do have your lineup. There's no much more there. And you're right, James, in the sense they'll go as far as their superstars, but they're not going to go any farther unless they get help from the bottom six. And the bottom six has been pretty good. Keep on chipping in. Get them through it. That's what's going to make this team whole and have more success. Ian McIntyre, our Sportsnet Canucks triple threat, joins us here bright and early this morning. And, Ian, we kind of talked uh, the last time we spoke was on the post-game show on Saturday night from Rogers Arena, and I think you made a good point about, look, I mean, you need your best players to be humming along, but you also need maybe a, a save or a steal a game from your goaltenders. You kind of got the resurrection of the lotto line last night and, and maybe the emergence of, if we're talking about a 1-1-A tandem here, it looks like the one right now was Thatcher Demko in this early going of the season. Yeah, he was he was pretty good. I'm still trying to process what Perry was saying there. There was a lot in that last statement while while I was on on hold. What did meeting. I say? Well, well so we don't know what the team is yet. No, no, okay. not yet. I think we have a better idea when they return. Yeah, is that? Do you not agree? No, I do agree. I do agree, but I I also don't. Uh, 
I also agree that uh, the Canucks have had challenges at the start of the season getting their lineup together, but every team has had challenges. Like uh, I think it really hurt Vancouver that it didn't have exhibition games, but nobody had exhibition games. No, uh, but I'm I'm saying more a JT Miller situation, even yeah. Jordy Ben situation. Those were challenges that not every team. Yeah, had. but Jordy Ben was going to be a seventh defenseman when when the season started potentially. Um, and JT Miller is very important to the team, but he missed three games. So yeah. I so mean, that's two of the two weeks. So that's half of the games that they had played. So I think keep, keep the start in perspective and keep this past week in perspective yeah. is all I'm saying. They well, will come if, back if, as they go on this road trip going, okay, can they compete with those guys? We have a better idea now. No yeah. excuses. Well, if you're, if you're calling for a careful, measured res- response to things, and you're in the wrong market, my friend. I know. <laughs> i got to be logical. <laughs> it's all about hot take. All I had to do was watch yesterday's game. You know, Life was ending as we knew it in the first period, and then maybe we can make some plans for the playoffs again in the last two. Uh, yeah, it's been, a t- it's been a tumultuous start. Um, but they've, you know, the... Uh, there, there are some underlying things that are good. You know, the the rate that they're they've been able to score goals and the and the contributions they're getting to the offense from defensemen is really good. Um, especially when you consider that the top line uh, has has been poor until until last night. I mean, Brock Besser's had a, a good start, but Miller and and Pedersen have have really scuffled. And the other uh, really positive thing is that they've they've had contributions from their from their bottom six. And granted, it's it's skewed towards two guys, Sutter and and Tyler Mott. But their their bottom six hasn't been this black hole that it was it was feared to be. So if you if you can maintain those things, and now you're getting goaltending, at least from Thatcher Demko, and now the the Lotto line is starting to come alive. Then I think it's going to be a, a pretty good team, which is what a lot of us thought it would be. Now, good enough? Well, <laughs> it's, it's a tough division. You know, look at how good Montreal looked. In Vancouver, we haven't seen Toronto yet, but they've looked awfully good on television. And, you know, Winnipeg was, Winnipeg was kind of like Vancouver. They were the closest to them in the neighborhood, which was, well, they could – they could be up, they could be down. It's hard to say. They have some talent there, and Winnipeg has started started really well. So it, it is a tough division, but I think we all knew the Canucks were a lot better than what they were showing. They knew that as well. That's why we've had the discussion that we've had through the first two weeks, and that's why there was so much concern in the market. It wasn't just that they were losing games. It was that they were playing so far below what they were capable of as a team Especially when you when you remember what they achieved last summer, that uh, it was a little bit alarming. And now they're starting to play in in stretches more like that team that we saw. Ian McIntyre here on Sportsnet 650. He seemed like such a forgotten entity by the back half of last season. That's okay. But, My, but, I, I don't mind. I'm not talking about you. Oh, but I, okay. But I was I was getting to the to the island boy, uh, Jordy Ben. Yeah, he's like really good. 
And I was going to say, like, you know, they, they, he stays in his lane, right? Like, they've kind of managed his minutes. They haven't extended those minutes and put him outside of his comfort zone. But it seems as though these last two days, he's kind of helped settle Quinn Hughes down. Yeah, and he's, he's playing uh, on the right side, which is something that um, the analytics guys have said all along. That's where he statistically, historically, uh, that's where he's strongest. And right now he's showing that, and, and, and I really like how, he's, how Jordy has played, and I feel good for him because uh, other than Jake Vertanen, he was probably the guy uh, least likely to return. Uh, even though he had a year on his contract, but the the pandemic made it pretty hard, for, and and the pandemic slash great recession in the NHL made it very hard to to move anybody, and and so uh, Jordy is back, and I feel uh, I feel happy for him that he's getting a chance now. He's he's being put in a position to succeed, um, playing with. Quinn Hughes and and as you you guys say like you know with there's not it's not huge demands right the 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 expectations are are modest uh, but he's playing really well the 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 challenge net is now to keep doing it because it's been so long since he played regularly and so long since he played well regularly even in the the playoffs. Remember, he came in and was was really good for the first couple of games, and then his play kind of uh, slipped, uh, tailed off a bit. So the challenge, you know, even at this stage of his career, is just to keep keep doing it, keep being consistent. But he has been he has been very good, and that that defensive um, uh, group has been much better uh, this week than it was before that um you know nate schmidt has has been much better i i think than he was earlier tyler myers um is playing uh confident a, a lot steadier a lot yeah. steadier than than what he had and even the young guys Ole levy was okay and and jalen chatfield last night was okay perhaps not as quite as good as he'd been before he got hurt but that's his first game that's his first game back. And that's another encouraging thing. But, you know, that that chaos in their own zone, a lot of that, most of that, was due to what was happening all over the ice with, with puck management and turnovers and the, the lack of structure and how the Canucks were really just beating themselves. I mean, it was hard to say. I made the point at one, uh, one time during that uh, those two weeks that, it's hard to say how good or bad they are because they're just beating themselves right now. Like we don't know how they are compared to other teams because the other teams aren't having to work for their goals. Um, And and this is just Ottawa that we're talking about uh, this week. So let's see as, as they move up in competition, but their structure, their team play that first period last night for, for the final 15 minutes or 13 minutes. It was since uh, from the time Jake Bertanen took a penalty in the offensive zone till the end of the period, it was a nightmare. But other than that, their their structure is looks so much better now than it did last week. So, uh, you know, that's important to maintain. 
How important was it, and we always use the phrase, read the room, but how important was it, surprising some, that it was Demko and goal, and for the first time you don't go, his game, his game, change, 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 and said, all right, let's get two in a row here and see what you can do, because, you know, I'm sure it's Holpe tonight, but subtle, but how important was that, you think, in the room? Well, I, I think I think guys uh, need to have confidence that their their goalie can can bail them out if they make a mistake. I mean, there there has to be that that level of trust. And I don't think I don't think uh, many guys on the team would have been doubting the goaltending again because uh, the things in front of the goalies were so appalling for much of that start. You know, the the number of breakaways and two on ones. Uh, they were giving up just the basic breakdowns in coverage guys you know might be might be a two on three rush for the opposition but somehow the one guy still got open to take a pass um so uh, i i don't i think that was well down the list of problems but it just gives everybody more confidence when when you feel like you can depend on your goalie and to me it last night was more impressive uh, with Thatcher than the first game. The first game was just, you know, almost like you, we'd forgotten what great goaltending looks like because we hadn't seen any. Um, and But that was one game. And this isn't a one-and-done league, you know, uh, especially if you want to be a starting goalie. And so Demko came back and, as you say, first first consecutive starts of the year, uh, suddenly some expectation like, oh, look, you know, he had really good in that 7-1 win. I wonder if he can do the same. Well, not only did he do the same, he even he was even better two nights later when he had prepared as a starter to follow up a really good performance on Monday and then had a great performance on Wednesday. And that's that's awfully encouraging because they're going to need more of that. And and it would be, I think it's in everyone's interest if it, if Thatcher Demko uh, seizes this job, and, and not because you know Braden Holtby can't. I, I hope I hope that they're both great, and that Travis Green has difficult decisions to make in goal. But I mean, make no, no mistake, Thatcher Demko is their goalie of the future, and and whether it's this season or next season. He is going to be the guy, and he wants to be the guy. So they, it's really helpful for their long-term prospects. When I know I'm being captain obvious here, but it's just they need him. They, they need him to evolve just like they need Pedersen to be as good as he was and a little better, and Hughes to, to keep getting better, and Brock Besser to keep getting better. And, and then... You know, even Adam Gaudet and Zach McHugh and Ole Ulevi and Jalen, you need all these young guys to keep getting better, but especially the guys that are going to be counted on as core pieces. And they've always regarded uh, Demko as a future starter, which means he's going to be a core piece. So he needs to keep getting better too. Thanks, Imac. All right, guys. Nice, nice being on. Nice being on with you. Later, Ian. Thank you. Um, Ian McIntyre, your Sportsnet Canucks insider, uh, weighing in with his uh, assessment of where this team is trending right now. And I think 
we're all kind of on that same page pair. I think these next two weeks after tonight will really kind of be the telling side and if, whether or not this team is going to sink or swim and whether this team is going to push for a playoff spot or not. Yeah, and I, I don't see them going on a on a seven-game winning streak here. I know Nate Schmidt referenced Frank the Tank. Yeah, everyone likes to go streaking. Uh, three is good. Uh, I, I just think this is a hockey team that isn't going to be uh, rolling over and, and playing as poorly as they did in the first couple of weeks. Uh, the Canadian division, you look in any night, you know, Toronto's going to Edmonton tonight. Well, who should win? Well, the Leafs, but hang on. It's the Oilers. I just going to, you know, 500, 550 hockey is going to keep you in the fight for a long time. Cause I don't think anybody's breaking away from the pack. Let's hit the music. What do you say? Uh, 650, uh-huh. 650, the uh, Dunbar Lumber text line is time this morning for a little Canucks in a song. Now, Pear, it's kind of going to go in a couple of different directions. I was thinking, you know, the welcome back Cotter theme. But, you know, watching Pedersen step up last night, I kind of felt like I'm going a little mid-80s Transformers soundtrack. Dirk Diggler, Boogie Nights going into the recording studio. I'm going with Stan Bush and the touch. You're your best when the going gets rough. You've been put to the test, but it's never enough. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. Man, I was like total Optimus Prime Elias Pedersen last night. They had it. They had it. You were going on PD. I cheated today, and we can cheat because we make the rules. I found a song, but not so much a song, but a jingle. I went way back, got to YouTube, and go, man, they must have had a theme song. It's Miller Beer. It's everywhere. It was Miller time. And I found this little jingle, and I thought the words worked. After 48 hours ago when he wasn't big on himself, everybody relax. Miller stands clear. He did last night along with the lotto line. Looking forward to what they'll put together for 60 minutes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line uh, from a beer jingle. We check out some of the other ones. How about this submission in a little Montel Jordan? This is how we do it. This is how we do it. That's from TJ in Surrey because, you know, oh, I'm buzzing great, because. See, well, that would be a great goal song. Like, did anybody have that? Can you imagine after that TikTok toe play, if you crank that up as you go to the bench? You know, this is how we do it. I mean, that, that's a nice little job. Great call by uh, TJ in Surrey. Pear, I, I was saying, I was thinking of the Welcome Back Cotter uh, soundtrack, uh, theme song as maybe one of my Canucks and songs. This was the other song I was toying with using, but I'm so glad Robbie and Langley was thinking of this one for the lotto line, for JT Miller, and for Elias Pettersson getting back on the horse last night. It's the theme, the ring entrance song for former WCW boss and Raw General Manager Eric Bischoff, I'm back. I'm back. 
It all comes back to wrestling, Bear. We're back. It works. Great call. <laughs> it does. It's just so ridiculous. It works. Uh, hey, how about this one? A little Johnny Cash, Ain't No Grave. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, meet me, mother and father. Meet me down the river road. And mama, you know that I'll be there when I check in, my lord. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. Yeah, I guess it was no grave after the way they played the last couple of games against the Ottawa Senators. Let's see if they can get the clean sweep tonight. Good work by Paul and Surrey. I know last uh, last game we had a Johnny Cash. You you start to see some of the tendencies of where people are going with their songs. Appreciate it, though, because it gets tougher and tougher. I mean, tonight, how do you recap it? But, yeah, ain't no grave. There wasn't a lot of people trying to bury some dirt on this hockey team. Uh, not the case right now. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, another submission here, a small victory. A small victory. You know, a lot of submissions from a lot of different listeners over the course of the morning here, Pear, for back in the saddle again from Aerosmith, which certainly feels that way after you uh, pound the Senators a collectively 12-2 on aggregate these last two games. I think it's important, though, to take care of business as well tonight here and go for that clean sweep. You get back to 500, and I think you're in good shape as you embark on a uh, tough Tough road trip that features a Winnipeg team that has just historically owned the Canucks. Montreal, who we saw kind of own Vancouver here, and then three against the Leafs, who, man, you know, at at times they're kind of on their heels, but, man, they have been able to score themselves out of any sort of problems thus far. You know, to win two two of three games in a series, you would take that pretty much every occasion. That doesn't work tonight, right? It just doesn't work because you dug yourself a little hole. And it's not easy to beat a hockey team three games in a row. There's no way. This should be the toughest game. They bounce back, and they they handled that first period where they were absent-minded, physically not there. And so now you just think. They've set the stage for everyone for an expectation tonight for them to come out guns a-blazing. If they don't, I still think people will question, like, how are you not ready for it now? We've heard it. You said it all post-game that, yeah, you admittedly you struggled. Now everybody's set to go. Uh, it's a big fail tonight if they only get uh, uh, two out of the three against Ottawa. Get it. Jump on that plane. Feel good about yourself. And then take a, take a tougher test starting on Saturday night in Winnipeg, James. All right, 26 minutes after 8 o'clock. It is game day. Don't forget, 5 o'clock pregame show. Puck drop with Batch and Hershey coming your way at 7 o'clock tonight here on Sportsnet 650. In a moment, Brian Burke weighs in on the tumultuous week it's been for the Vancouver Canucks. Berkey speaks, and we got you covered right here. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 832, game day here. Rogers Arena, the place to be tonight as the Canucks uh, will try to sweep. Well, I mean, it's the place to be if you're. Yeah, it's tough to be there, but yeah. 
Uh, I love how uh, Vikingstad is uh, texted in now on the Dunbar Lumber text line. He's suggesting Keith Lee's theme song uh, for Quinn Hughes. Like, it's Royal Rumble this weekend, pair. So, like, I guess all the wrestling fans are coming out here. WrestleMania season gets going. Everybody's suggesting wrestling themes for players. Actually, that would be all right. If you introduce the starting lineup with each player with their own theme going out, like when you get fans back in the stands, like imagine Pedersen with their own with his own music, right? My 12-year-old suggesting like Ric Flair's theme, you know, for Elias Pedersen to come out or what what do you think? Individual entrances kind of like in basketball only for hockey. I you know, I, of course you're ridiculous as you talk wrestling, but <laughs> I will I I will question is there something that we take from these games that we see once there's 18,000 people in there. Like uh, I, I don't know. There's there's something we'll have to learn. Uh, I haven't found it yet. Um, I you know I've enjoyed from a football perspective. I've heard more quarterbacks and, and and you know just the audio a little easier. But I don't know. Hey, I, I love the theme songs for the players and their goal songs. I think you know Saturday night what I found was interesting. Uh, you know that early fight with Tyler Myers and Joel Edmondson is just like wow. What you could hear from the bench there. There's no one in the rink and everybody's cheering on. Um, I don't know what we'll do, but no, to your point, to have a player come out, that's not hockey, man. To guy go, yeah, here's my song. I'm coming up, getting it done. I like it. I like the showmanship. I don't think it's happening. Earlier this morning, Brian Burke joined us uh, bright and early to weigh in on uh, what he's seeing from the Vancouver Canucks right now. Obviously, Brian last week on Hockey Night in Canada mentioning that uh, Jim Benning was on the hot seat and a lot of talk about Benning's future. We asked Brian this morning uh, whether or not there would be an appetite from the Aquilinis and uh, ownership to maybe consider a change for Jim Benning, and here's what Berkey had to say. Well, this will be news to you, but I'm not tight with ownership there. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't tell you how close things came. I don't think close. I I said this last night on TV. Look at Jim Benning's drafting. He got screwed three years in a row in the draft lottery. Dropped one pick, two picks, two picks, and still came up with some of the best players in that draft. He's done a really good job on the draft side. He's he's been patient. Now, he's made some mistakes that have led to cap issues, and that's on him. I can't I can't absolve him of that. But he's he's done a pretty good job. Like no one would have thought the Canucks would do that well in the bubble. Then they lost some people because they it's salary cap. You know, when, when we won the Cup at Anaheim, Tamu and Scott Niedermeyer retired. I mean, this is what happens in the salary cap situation. You got issues. You got problems. So, to me, I think he's done a pretty good job. And I think I don't think he was close to getting fired. You would have thought so. You would have thought there was a mob outside the, the GM place or whatever, the Rogers Arena now, with, with torches and, and a rail. But as I, I talked to him yesterday, and he said, look, we, we haven't had our whole team together for one game, really. So you go back, you know, J.T. Miller's out. Uh, Edler gets hurt. This guy gets hurt. They had to play three young defensemen. They haven't had their whole team together. Petey had a terrible start. He was really good last night. Um, and now it's coming together, and all of a sudden, oh, everything's fine, right? But it's in Vancouver. So the, the drama is massive. I guess the other question, Brian, is is would ownership want to stomach the idea of paying two executive salaries at a time when they've already had to lay off a lot of staff too, right? Well, I, I think that's an issue for every team. Right right now, it's it's a bleak landscape 
for NHL teams right now. Like your revenues, you have no fans. Even even if you get to admit five thousand fans, I, I'm guessing they're not paying top dollar. They're not jamming the concessions booth. They're, they're sitting in their seats, so the revenues are slashed badly. Um, I can't imagine that's not the case for every team. They're like, I'm not paying two GMs in a pandemic where I got no revenue. So I, I, I've heard that about Vancouver. So they don't want to pay two guys. And I believe it's true, but I don't think that's being cheap. If I'm the Aquilini family, I think that's probably a league wide view is, Hey, get through the year. Let's, let's get back to normalcy, get the vaccine distributed, get some butts back in the seats and then we'll see. And because of that, Berkey, I think it's fair to say, I mean, the GM's job is to always try and fix it as things are going along. But throw in the borders, the quarantine, more so than ever, is it going to be what you see is what you got? I would say so right now. Like, like okay, so imagine you're Jim Benning and you like a player on a U.S. team, and there's a fit. Cap-wise and talent-wise, there's a fit. But you got he comes across the border, he's waiting 14 days. In, the, in a regular schedule, it might be three, four games. In this schedule, that's probably six. The way the way the schedule is is packed in like it is. So, yeah, I I would hope and wish that the owners have more patience. I just don't have much faith in owners being patient, just from personal experience. <laughs> I'm not jaded, but I, I I don't have much experience uh, or much faith in that based on my lifetime in the NHL. Well, you still got a Stanley Stanley Cup ring to uh, to kind of show for it. So, uh, and you've certainly experienced a few uh, a few different uh, ANSI owners along the way. Uh, Pedersen finally kind of, I guess, gets that giant piano. I think, as you've described, off his back with a pretty good offensive performance last night. Uh, is it time to breathe easier now, or do you take a little bit of what we've just seen for the last couple of days for the uh, Canucks realizing who the opposition is and a very uh, bleak looking Ottawa team? Well, no, I think Ottawa's better than they played. They've laid an egg the last two games, but they're better than that. Um, to me, the you go back one game. Last night, Petey was great. But if you go back one game, and I even said this because we did that game, I saw improvement after the first period. I thought first period, body English sucks. His performance sucks, head down. And then second period, you saw some life. I, I actually sent Travis Green a text and said, Petey's waking up here. Third period, I thought he was better. Last night, he was excellent. He's back to the old piece, shooting the puck, making good plays, threw a good body check. I, I loved it. He he was good. And so now they got him back. But I think he missed JT Miller when Miller was out. I think it's I think it's hard to get a team going all by yourself. But he was really good last night. And, yeah, I think he, Quinn Hughes was better last night. JT Miller was really good last night. If I'm a Canucks fan, I'm like, giddy up, let's go. They, they look like the old, the bubble Canucks. Now, because of the cap, they had some personnel losses. But last night, their goaltending was excellent. How do you, and Travis Green said afterwards, hey, I will never complain about a win. Really like the last 40 minutes and how they responded. How do you explain, though, if you were the GM, what you watched in the first 20 minutes there? Well, I'm going to give you a really poor explanation. Anyone who's driving in their car, just hang on to the wheel so they don't swerve into the ditch. No idea how a team lays an egg like that for, for it happened the night before Calgary did the same thing. Yeah. Calgary had one shot, one shot on net in the first period. And I'm, I'm looking at it going like, okay, I know all of these players except two or three that have come in since I left or maybe four or five, but I know all these players. How can they play that poor a period at home? 
Now, mind you, there's no fans, but they were in Calgary, and they laid a complete egg. They were awful. And I watched the Canucks last night get out, worked out, shot out, hustled. But the goaltender kept him in it, so they had a chance. Like, it was amazing performance by Thatcher Demko. So now at the end of the first period, instead of being down three or four nothing, you're right there. So I, I have no idea how a team lays an egg like that. And, and I was a player. We did it. I only played one year pro, but we won a Calder Cup. We won a championship. We won lots of games. We were really good. But we did that once in a while. And you're like, what's going on? How can 20 guys fall asleep together? And, and there's no answer. It's inexplicable. Ebbs and flows of the uh, NHL season. There's Brian Burke weighing in on his thoughts on the Canucks so far here earlier this morning on Sportsnet 650. Hey, a reminder, this hour is a presentation of Surrey Honda. Go visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd at Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. Now you've got something going here in a positive direction pair. I think now it's critical to try to maintain that momentum before you hit the road on Saturday against the Jets. But you got to take care of business, and it's certainly trending in that direction with what we've seen against the Senators the first two games here, this three-game set. I, I do think, though, there's at least in my mind, there's still that seed of doubt. To to Berkey's point, I can't explain what happened in the opening 20 minutes. Right? How does that happen? Well, they they write the ship and play very well in the in the final 40 minutes, but. You're going, all right, we've, we've had this story before. Okay, guys, you you got to bounce back. You you play Montreal, you win that first game, you outscore your problems. Let's see if you make it two in a row against the Habs, and they were a no-show. Um, you know, they, they come back, they don't play very well against Calgary, lose the first one, come back, and are great for the opening 20 minutes, and it's, hey, hey, they're back, and then they're a no-show for the final 40. So the challenge in anything, play a full 60-minute hockey game, uh, I believe they'll do it tonight, James, but there's still that seed of doubt because you've yet to see these guys come out firing right from the start and run away with absolutely everything. Let's see if they could do it. It's imperative to get this sweep and get back to 500 against the Sens. All right, 843, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show. We'll try to get you paid as well tonight on a jam-packed night in the National Hockey League 14 games on the slate, including one at Rogers Arena with the Canucks and the Senators round number three. It's game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Here's a shot. Anderson made a wild stab for spell. Here's another shot. Right by the score. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Happy 78th birthday to the man who gave this country one of its defining sports moments. Maybe its first real defining sports moment. Paul Henderson, 78 today after that magical goal in 1972. For really the first where were you sports moment in this country, still relatively young history at the time, Perry. It was uh, the greatest hockey moment. The one thing that likely was never uttered about that, that you do have the where were you moments, but do you think anywhere in this country of ours, someone has had a conversation going, you know what, that Henderson goal was massive. I had a couple hundred dollars on it. My friend took the Russians. Right? (laughs) I just don't think anyone's wagering and taking the Russians. Talk about being all in. Uh, That's what it was all about, Henderson scoring that goal. A lot of good stuff. 
No, no betting made on that one. But James, there is today. You and I have been good uh, this week. Uh, just riding the Canucks. You're going to do it again tonight. I am not going to take the Canucks tonight. Uh, where I'm actually looking, I'm looking uh, a couple of options. I'm looking down south, uh, south of the border, and and the start that John Gibson's off to. You know, you talk about a bounce back year, but John Gibson. Man, a 9.48 save percentage to start the season. He's played six games, Perry. He's already got two shutouts. Take the under between the Ducks and the Coyotes tonight. That's where I'm saying. You know, I, I, I'm I'm going to go back to where I did earlier this week, but I had been contemplating. Carolina finally plays after four postponed games. They've got the Stanley Cup champs coming in, but love Jordan Stahl back, but they've still got a lot of guys out because of COVID protocol. It's, and it's funny, Canucks playing game number 10, that is only game number four for Carolina, who are going to play a bunch of hockey. I contemplated that one, even though hurt. You wondered, hey, the Dallas effect, maybe they've missed a lot of hockey. Carolina will come out. But I'm going to go with Barry Trotz again, and I did earlier this week, because the Islanders got Washington again. They gave up a goal late in the third period to lose to the Caps by a score of 3-2. And afterwards, Barry Trotz said, I'm pissed at my guys. I don't know what they think is going on. How do they think? It was almost like the immaturity clip that Travis Green gave. Because we're going to play some playoff hockey here. Our mind is not into it. We need to be better. I think the Islanders will be better, and they'll bounce back and even up this series with the Washington Capitals and get a win tonight. A little bonus one I also like tonight, Pair. I like Montreal in their first game since last Saturday, uh, rested at home uh, to take care of the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I'm unsure of that. I'm unsure of what they have in Calgary. Um, they were so poor in that first period against Toronto and then so good for the final two but still lost. Uh, interesting to see a lot of old teammates in that one with Markstrom, who, again, when do you start giving him some rest to Foley and Tana fall saying hi to each other? We'll see. Uh, you know, I think the Habs are great, but at some point the Habs are going to be, you know, they're going to have to battle it. I wonder if they stumble a little bit, but, uh, wait and see, Hey, a busier slate of games. What do we got? 14 going on today. Yeah. Busiest night so far of the season, 14 games, 28 teams uh, involved. Uh, that should be fun. We should also remind, Hey, before we wrap things up and turn things over to the Scott Rintoul show coming up at the top of the clock, it is bell. Let's talk day. Uh, Corey Hurst shared some wonderful words uh, of advice and perspective uh, a little over an hour ago. Pair, I'll just, I'll say this a couple of years ago here on this show, I, I shared my own personal experience. I went through a divorce about seven years ago and man, I'll say this personally. I went into a real dark place. It was really, really hard. And, um, you know, you don't understand it. You know, everybody goes through different experiences in their own mental struggles. But they're real. They're hard. And to have somebody to talk to, and that was honestly, at that time, to have some, some family and some friends that I could kind of, you know, use as a sounding board, it meant everything. So... The best thing you can do right now is to listen if somebody is having a hard time and and be there with an open ear. Uh, we're in really strange times, and some people are really isolated, but a phone call is so simple. And you're right, James, to open up, to talk about it, and everybody knows how to listen. We've got that ability. Just do it, especially on a day like today. Very important message. One more game to go in this Canucks and Senators series. I know it's so hard to say goodbye to the Senators given the week that it's been, but we got you covered. Pre-game show, 5 o'clock this afternoon. Puck drop at 7 o'clock, and we're back at it. Same bat time, same bat channel on Friday. Ron McLean dropping by and much, much more. We'll break down. Don't forget your Canucks in a song as well. Your homework assignment right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650.